All right, welcome to the Sports Block Podcast here. Uh, Nathan Sacken with you alongside my good friend and co-host of this podcast, Travis Krins. Travis, how are we doing? It feels like fall. It does. It's, the, uh, it's a good feeling of, of disappointment, or it's that familiar feeling of fuck. watching the fuck, he says. Watching the Vikings play, and like I said, I think today on the radio, Ed, if, if you had somebody or somebody from a foreign country that didn't know anything about football, Mm-hmm. Or something from a different planet. That all right? Here's my favorite team, and I want to encapsulate what they mean or what they do for like the past 25 years of watching them. Like that game against Cincinnati was like the perfect game, a game in which they were a slight favorite. Probably should be better than Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, you go out. Just the first series was an abortion of, of penalties. Yes. Yes. Just awful. And it's like they never played football before. And then they disappoint, and all of a sudden, second half, here they come, and they have numerous opportunities to win it. And then at the end, it ended like it did. So I know that was the perfect, that was like the perfect Vikings game. Yeah. I thought, a game in which they should win. They come back, they give you a chance, and then they, what happens? I thought it was a beautiful, beautiful football game. All right, so let's start there. Let's start there. Um but this game really made me upset because I thought the Vikings... Like, I, Cincinnati's clearly a better team than I thought. Uh, Joe Burrow looks really good, or looked really good for a good portion. Jamar Chase, and all, for all his drop issues in the preseason and training camp, he had an absolutely great game. They, they put a lot more money into the defense than even I recognized because they had some guys who really stepped up and played well. Uh, but... You cannot have 12 penalties. Four false starts within the first two drives is absolutely embarrassing. Uh, Brian O'Neill, who just got a big contract, was easily the best offensive lineman on the day. Uh, Rashad Hill is terrible, so hopefully Christian Derrissaw can get into shape and uh, get um, into the starting lineup soon because that's really the only way that this ends up being any way, shape, or form good. Uh, Ezra Cleveland didn't play all that good. Uh, the biggest disappointment was Brashad Breland, who I thought when they got him from Kansas City, it's, it's, it was essentially a swap of cornerbacks. They get uh, um, Hughes, we got Breland, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Yeah, Breland is, is a good cornerback, and he looked lost all game long, and like his confidence just tanked as the game went on. So it wasn't good. But, and so the Vikings did their fair share to really, to royally screw their chances of winning this game comfortably. After they get a 7-0 lead for the defense to give up touchdowns on essentially the next three possessions, embarrassing. Like, this is a better defense than that, or so we thought. However, having said all that, so the I've given this, I'm not blaming, I'm going to blame the officials here. As for the reason why the Vikings didn't win. But it's not all their fault because the Vikings did their fair share to, to contribute to this. But how on God's green earth can you A, not overturn that Justin or the, the Justin Jefferson uh, catch where he was he was in the end zone. Like there's nothing his his ankles, his his legs, his butt, they aren't hitting the ground, and he's extending in for a touchdown. But you know what? They scored with Dalvin Cook. Yay. You know, let's be merry. Yep, yep. Good, good. They scored. So it wasn't the end of the world there. But what cost the Vikings the game 
was in overtime, just after the two-minute warning, where Dalvin gets the handoff. He runs up the middle, not a whole lot. Like, the Vikings are in position to run the clock down, have a chance at a game-winning field goal. Uh, Worst-case scenario, the game ends in a tie. Wouldn't be happy with the tie, but it'd be like, okay, you know what? For Given all the issues that the Vikings had, for them to escape with the tie would be okay for me. I wouldn't, wouldn't be happy, but wouldn't be irate. Then Dalvin fumbles it, and the Bengals recover. And when you looked at the replay, and Chris Myers and Daryl Johnston, who were uh, calling the game, were bringing in Mike Pereira, uh, the NFL you know, officiating analyst, and it sure as hell looked like Dalvin had possession of the ball with his ass on the ground, and New York refused to overturn the call. It is, and I saw an article today by Pro Football Talks Mike Florio that said replay work this week. Even you know, and he mentioned the Dalvin Cook one, and he said it was just too inconclusive. And yes, there wasn't a truly conclusive element to this, and I get that I'm rambling here, but. For, I mean, to everyone's, to everyone else, Dalvin Cook was on the ground with possession of the football. New York didn't do it, and they screwed the Vikings on not one, but two replays on Sunday. And to me, that's unforgivable. I agree with all that, but I've often stopped caring about whether or not this team wins or loses or whatever. They won, they, they lost. We went to Menards, picked up some stuff. I'm like, whatever. They lost. Mm-hmm. They're beating Arizona next week. Again, the offensive line just isn't good. It doesn't matter who you have, Delvin Cook, Jefferson, defense. Like, it doesn't matter because this offensive line is still bad. It was like back in the day where everybody was good except the defense. The defense was terrible. They had Culpepper and Moss and all these other guys, but it didn't matter because their defense was terrible. Then their defense finally got good. Then they couldn't get a quarterback. Culpepper got hurt, and then Jackson and Ponder, and they couldn't get a quarterback. And now the defense should be better. Defense has been good uh, under Zimmer, and the quarterback play has been good enough. Mm-hmm. Now your offense is not good enough. So it's always something that's not not, 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 not even average. If their offensive line was average, they'd be really good. So, yep. I mean, yeah, Delvin Cook, he seemed to be down to me. Uh, Jefferson, I thought, was well obvious. Like, yeah, he was down, the ball, like almost the entire ball was over the goal line. Uh-huh. And uh, Joe Mixon had a touchdown where that was kind of iffy. They gave that to, to Cincinnati. Yep. Yep. Again, this goes back to something I've said before of there's no reason to call Delvin Cook down or to call him as fumbling because there's no humanly possible way the officials could have seen either. Mm-hmm. Cause there was a, nobody could have seen it live cause there were just a bunch of bodies there and looking at the tape, you realize how close it was when you slow it down frame by frame. There's no earthly possible way the officials could have said, yep, that was a fumble recovered by Cincinnati because you could barely see it on the replay. So there's no reason to do that. I feel like it's one of those calls where whatever they called on the field, it was going to stand. Yes. Yep. So with that, get rid of that rule. Quit calling stuff you can't see. Say, all right, we don't know what happened here. We think it may have been a fumble. We're going to look at it, and we're going to rule it's a fumble. 
and Cincinnati gets it, or Cook is down and it's a gain of one or two or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason to put yourself in a corner and say, well, we call this on the field, so if we can't decide on the replay what it is, we got to stick with what we called on the field. Right. Don't call anything on the field because you don't know. Don't call shit you don't know and you didn't see because they didn't see it. Right. And you couldn't know. And you barely know when you watch the replay. Could, so they're never yeah. going to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's the problem. So. And to your point about them not being able to see it, it took them forever to even acknowledge that, yes, it was a fumble and it was Bengals' possession. So, the only reason they did that is because Cincinnati got up with the ball and right. said, oh, we got it, we got it, because they didn't call fumble at all. Right, right. So, again, and we don't know what would have happened. You know, it, it could, should Cook have fumbled it to begin with? No, you got to protect the rock a little bit better uh, and don't put it in the hands of the officials. But it sure as hell looked like he was down. And just to be denied that opportunity, and then the Vikings to get you know fooled on a fourth and one with a it, it, Joe Burrow changed the play at the line of scrimmage, and I guess Mike Zimmer said after the game that they had practiced that play because they knew it was uh, something that Cincinnati runs, and for them to be fooled by it, not good. But you still had that opportunity there, and it's just very frustrating that that the Vikings were denied an opportunity to go for the win because the officials couldn't get it right. Now, with that being said, we might, and we'll, we'll probably have to revisit this next week, three weeks, a month from now, whenever, but it does appear that the Vikings have, A, a kicker. Hey, they can kick the fucking field goal. I didn't think he was going to make that. I didn't either. Yarder. No way in shit. Then nope. he made it twice. Nope. Nope, I didn't either. And that one was right down the middle with plenty to spare. It was a career long. And B, the Vikings may have solved their punting woes too because they keep getting these guys and they're like, oh, you know, oh, it's a cold quit. Well, the cold quits are punting royalty uh, and they just don't do a lot. Well, when, when Barry kicks that or punts that ball and pins Cincinnati down inside the 10 in overtime, completely flipped field position there, it's like, okay, this, I think the Vikings might have something here. On both the punter and the kicker, which is something that has oftentimes plagued them throughout the years. We'll see what happens as the season continues, but for one week, special teams was truly special, as in very, very good. You know who's in first place in that division? The Vikings are! The Vikings. The Vikings, if the season ended after game one, Vikings would be a four seed hosting San Francisco, so... Good for the Vikings. We are in first place after we're in first place after week one, so it's not all terrible. So nope. Uh, that game between Green Bay and New Orleans was absolutely stunning. It's not stunning in so much the fact that Green Bay lost. I mean that that was surprising to me because I, New Orleans said they picked Jacksonville because Aaron Rodgers struggles in the humidity and struggles playing in Florida, so. They picked Jacksonville, and it was difficult for Packers fans to get to versus other cities. So they did their homework in picking Jacksonville. But for Jameis Winston to torch the Packers and for Aaron Rodgers to look as bad as he did, I saw something on Twitter, and I'm all for it if this is the, the if this is true, and I it's not. I can't imagine it is. But if Aaron Rodgers just came back to sabotage the Packers, that would be the greatest thing ever. Because he looked absolutely terrible. You could say, oh, well, it's it, it's the lack of uh, 
time he had in preseason or training camp? I don't think so. I think that's just a full of baloney. You know, oh, he was pretty good in game one last year, I seem to remember. He missed mining camp. Oh, whoa, whoa, that's that's terrible. Well, he has enough chemistry with Devontae Adams to be able to to figure that out. He he developed uh, chemistry with Robert Tanyan last year just fine. Aaron Jones seems to me like he was a pretty good running back. So just, he wanted Randall Cobb. Well, he didn't even target Randall Cobb once. I think that's in part the Saints' defense, but that's more so to do with – I mean – you just don't blame the fact that Rodgers wasn't there on his struggles. There, did Dak Prescott play in the preseason? Uh, no, he did not. How did he do? He did pretty fucking well. He sure did, and I believe he was ball. coming off of a ankle injury and a shoulder injury in the preseason. Hmm. He's going to be all right. So, I mean, it's just an excuse. I saw Tony Dungy said, you know, that, that oh, maybe teams are going to start playing guys. Well, no, because it's not worth the risk of playing them at all in games that don't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. You know, I don't think the Packers win that game if Aaron Rodgers takes twenty snaps in the preseason. And if he plays, everybody's going to kill him. If he gets hurt, then why? Why would you play a guy that's been playing for fifteen years? Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's you know, another excuse. But the Vikings—they just look like they never played football before. Right. In that first, it's like in that first drive. Yeah. It's like, come yeah. on, man! I mean, Jesus Christ! Crowds. Well, I mean, though those those always loud Cincinnati Bengals crowds. Yes. Jesus Christ! Yes. I mean, come on. And considering how much purple was there, I mean, it's just it it, it was ridiculous. It was. There's no. It, and again, maybe Cincinnati's better this year than than I thought they could be better this year. Uh, it was I, very evident Joe Burrow got hurt at the end of that game. Yes, yes. Because they did not pass the ball at all. They passed mm-hmm. it once. He got sacked. Mm-hmm. They had the pass at the end of the game, which ended up working. And, yeah, it was – I mean, they completely just went away from him and just can, just continued to run the ball after that. It was very evident that he was – that he was hurt. So. Mm-hmm. Now we'll see. You know, I wonder. You know, if Cam Dantzler plays, if that makes a difference. I wonder if Anthony Barr plays, if that makes a difference. I wonder if Christian Darrisaw plays, if that makes a difference. I think it would, especially with Dantzler and um, and Darrisaw. I don't know about Barr because Nick Vigil, former Bengal, had himself a game. He played very, very well. Um, uh, Michael Pierce also. Yes, game. yes, and though that's a guy we didn't see last year because he opted out for COVID. So yeah, those are huge things there. But I said going in that I to the season that the Vikings needed to be six and one or seven and zero in their first seven games because the the rest of their schedule is just brutal after that. And you know what? It's just the way it looks on paper. Things can change as the season progresses. But I am not confident in this team after what I saw against the Bengals, especially going to the desert next week, where, again, they should have an abundance of fans because Arizona fans don't always sell out. I mean, there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of purple in the crowd next week against Arizona. But what Arizona did to Tennessee was absolutely impressive. Not only did Murray throw, Kyler Murray throw four touchdowns and run for another, but the defense played outstanding. Chandler Jones had... Five sacks, two forced fumbles, got me 21 points in fantasy. Thank you very much. Uh, 
I mean, it was insane what he... I mean, he abused Taylor Lewan, the Titans' offensive tackle. The, they stopped Derrick Henry three times in a goal-to-goal situation. I mean, I don't know if it was that Tennessee overlooked Arizona. I mean, Arizona didn't show anything in the preseason, so it made me doubt that maybe their offense was good. By the way, Yankees just won, so that's great. Yeah, Yankees beat the Give me my money. Give me my money. Ah, that is, yeah, very good. Um... I could have built an addition to my house just betting against Quinns against the Yankees. You should, yes, yes, you should. Um, but, so this Arizona game, now, I almost feel like it's a must-win for the Vikings, even though it's just two games on the road, it's two of 17, but Seattle looked very impressive against the Colts for whatever. Uh, my hot take is this team's going to start 0-4. That's what I think. All right, you know what, I don't disagree with that possibility. I really don't. Um, it's, but it, it is a must-win now, almost for against Arizona, and that just got significantly more difficult based on what I saw from Arizona yesterday. Detroit's not good. Chicago, I like Chicago. Um, Green Bay, I think they'll be fine. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't get it. Something you watch on a Sunday afternoon, and then you move on with your life. So I don't. I'm just talking to people at work today. It's like, yeah, talking about the Cook fumble. It's like, I don't care. He fumbled. It's fine. Who cares? I don't. I, I can't possibly care about this team. I just can't. It's difficult. It really is. No, I can't. Like, what? What? But I, I, I just don't care about this team. Game of the day was Chiefs uh, hosting the Browns. Browns had a 12-point lead multiple times throughout this game. Chiefs came back. That pass by Tyreek or by Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. <laughs> It was insane for a 75-yard touchdown. The but the the Browns punter uh, Gilliam, you know, he's a Scottish hammer, I believe they call him. Yeah. Muffs the punt, tries to run for first down rather than kick it again. Didn't get anywhere close. Changed the momentum in the game. She scored a touchdown, and then Baker Mayfield tries to throw the ball away at the on the Browns' final drive. And oh, who picked it off? Oh, how about Hughes from uh, former Viking? So uh, we talk about that. We talked about Breland, how bad he was. Hughes had himself a better day there with that game-sealing interception. So big win for Kansas City there. And now I know you have some more Mahomes stats for me this week, or at least I hope oh, you do. Oh, yeah, uh, But I'll give you one right now. Mahomes, that was his 10th win when trailing by 10 points or more in his career. Unbelievable. I mean, like That's just absolutely insane. What this man continues to do, and I think that this is a that was a AFC Championship game uh, preview. I think that I mean this this Browns team is good enough to get there. They're good enough to play with Kansas City, and yet Kansas City just somehow finds a way to win time and time again. This seems again. This seems just unsustainable. It just seems crazy that this happens. They get down, teams don't come back from down 10 or 14 points, but they always do. Um, they lose that Super Bowl last year, and I don't... You just look at... You know, I mentioned how, you know, Kansas City, they may not win five Super Bowls like everybody thinks they will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't know what the example... There are many examples out there all of... Team really good wins the Super Bowl next year gets back loses loses big and then they get back again and they win at least one or two more like usually once you lose that Super Bowl 
you're pretty much done. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't get back. Seattle won one big over Denver. They get back the next year. They lose to New New England. They never get back. Yeah, uh, it just doesn't happen. And usually, when you go on a run, you don't lose Super Bowls. Right. Well, Dallas in the nineties didn't lose. New England. Uh, New, would New England. Be, would, were, were they, they went to like a dozen of them, and they lost like two. Three. Yeah. To, two. All to NFC East teams. Two to Eli yeah. Manning and the Giants, and then one to the Eagles there in Minneapolis. And New England's uh, the outlier of just weird stuff. Yep. Uh, the Packers. Packers beat uh, the Patriots. And then the next year they lose a close one to Denver and they never get back there again. Um, so Steelers in the 70s, they won four in a row. Nobody beat them. They went 4-0. So teams, um, no, San Francisco won, what, three in the 80s. Either teams win them all or they win one, lose one, and then they're done. So... We'll see if Kansas City bucks the trend or not. So, you know, it's after week one, you know, they say don't overreact. That's probably a good idea. And then some things, you know, do become true after week one. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, some things do end up being true. Well, um, Buffalo was a huge, I mean, Buffalo didn't do anything. Yeah, that was bad. Uh, 10 points. You guys were to what, 10 points. 13 points when they score. 16. Playoffs, 20 16. 16. It was bad. You got to do better than that. Got to do better than that. So Josh Allen had multiple guys wide open, and he kept forcing it <laughs> like elsewhere. It was bad. He was very, very bad. And he had a great year. And you, I don't think you'll ever have a year like that again. And, um, again, he has to have a couple more good years for me to believe that, yeah, he's, he's oh, yeah, he's really good. So he had one good year, mm-hmm. but. There's a chance he could revert back to kind of what he used to be. And if they do that, then they're not going to be very good. Houston Texans are leading the AFC South. Uh, They thumped Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Didn't necessarily expect that to happen, but they are alone in first place in the AFC South because every other team lost. The Eagles are 1-0 in the NFC East. And they are undefeated uh, because every other NFC East team lost. Charlie's Dolphins are the lone undefeated team in the AFC East. They beat New England and Mac Jones 17-16 in uh, slugfest, I guess. Uh, and every, and the Jets and the Bills lost. And then you have the NFC North. Entire NFC North is 0-1. Vikings in first place by virtue of their... Uh, the minus three point differential. While the NFC West, the best division in football, many predicted at the beginning of the season, uh, as did I, uh, holding true to that point, one and all, every team won in week one. So I, I know, like you said, you can't overreact to week one and whatnot, but I just, I feel like this loss to the Bengals is going to haunt the Vikings at the end of the season. I think they aren't going to make the playoffs now. Just my guess. Yeah, we'll see. Just a guess. Um, anything else from week one that uh, I, I already think we have the game of the year uh, that took place between Tampa and Dallas, though uh, Cleveland and Kansas City certainly gave it a run for its money. But that was something else opening night. Or so they say. Uh, what, what, what's your what's your this hurts? Yeah, you had a good uh, fantasy week. I did, and I still have uh, room for. Uh, for some more points uh, with uh, Waller playing tight end uh, for the Vegas Raiders here on Monday night, so that's good news. Jalen Hurts, he did well for you. He did. So he did. He did good. Yeah, you uh, 
I don't like my team. I'm not. I'm not going to do anything this year. So it. Uh, well, you have Dalvin Cook. You have. Um... No, I got. I got Derrick Henry. Oh yeah, sorry, you do. You have Derrick Henry. You I, took. I, it, I, you I had got, a chance at Dalvin. Yeah, I was doing volleyball, and thankfully the game went till nine o'clock. Pierre was ahead two nothing. Mm-hmm. Mitchell came back to win sets three and four, and then they, of course they lost in five. So that helped. Draft was at eight, ended at nine, and I was there the whole time. So first three rounds, I was pretty aware, and then after that, I got uh, Daryl Henderson, which I wasn't crazy about, but now I'm I'm okay with him. Let's see, he seems to be the number one guy. The Rams. Uh, well, I, was like, I got DeAndre Swift, who was actually my best guy, probably. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't too crazy about him, so he did all right. So two guys in rounds four or five I went crazy about did, did pretty well. Uh, yeah, it was, I had the second pick. It was between Derrick Henry and Delvin Cook. I'm like, well, Cook always gets hurt. And uh, I looked at Cook. I looked at Cook. And I'm like, well, he only he played 14 games last two years, which is, I guess, more than I thought he did. I thought he was out more than that. Uh, but I, I took Derrick Henry. I don't expect him. To, I expect him to regress quite a quite a bit. Um, you know, if he could get me fourteen or fifteen hundred yards, I'd be I'd be happy with that. Yep. Um, yeah. And the number two pick. I mean, Mahomes was out there. I'm like, yeah, he's going to be like the number one player, so I'll take him. Yeah. Yep. And then Justin, Justin Jefferson, he'll be out there, and I think he'll do just fine. You know, could have had a touchdown, but wouldn't have made a difference. So. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Tampa Bay's defense, that was bad. So I, I didn't have a chance. I lost still by 31 points this week. I had enough points on the bench if I would have you know, put certain guys in certain spots. But, um, yeah, I mean, I scored 170 points to win a game. I can't. I'm not capable of that at the moment. I am completely shocked by my team's <laughs> overall result. And I thought I took – I didn't. I thought this. I had the settings right. Where if like for this, you could in your flex do a wide receiver, running back, or tight end. So that's why I took Darren Ooh. Waller and George Kittle back to back rounds. I'm like, shit. Oh shit. Gonna take uh, two. You know, the two of the top three tight ends here, and then it didn't uh, set apparently. And so now I have George Kittle just riding the bench, which isn't terrible. I'm gonna I'm gonna play Darren Waller. Most of the year, I'm not ever. I'm not going to get 21 points each week from Chandler Jones. That's just not going to happen. Uh, Brandon Cooks was big. Cooper Cup. I'm a little worried that he's going to get hurt, but uh, we have you know Jalen Hurts played really really well, so that's uh, that's significant. Um, I I don't know if it's going to continue or not, but uh, it was a good first week. But I know I'm going to lose to you twice because that's how that's how that's our works. fantasy seasons go. So I'm I'm the Yankees to your Twins. Yes, you are. Yes, you are indeed. Uh, here, you want some stats? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, 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 here, we got... here he is, Noah in the flesh, ready to get out. We're three and a half years old, that we're three and a half. Yes, we are. Yep. We're, about to we're turn... talking, we're talking, oh, yeah. we know words, yes, we know we what do. they mean for the most part. We're going to try and do preseason picks, this or preschool picks with him. Uh, is he three feet tall? How, how, uh, what, what should he be and what is he? What, what do you mean? Size-wise. Oh, boy, he's a tall boy. He is tall. He's like 90 percentile weight and uh, height. He's like 44 inches right now. 
Right, Kelsey. Right, is that right? Well, he's what three feet eight? He's almost four feet tall. He's in five T clothes. I mean, this is. I mean, he's not okay. even four, and he's in five T clothes. So. Is he driving yet? No, he's not driving. Well, actually, he does have a Ranger that he drives wow. at the lake, and he and he drives it very well. So. Very good. No, that's exciting. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we're getting ready for picks. It's, it's been a long time coming. Yes. Yes. I'm, hope, I'm hopeful. By March, it will be ready to go by March. Yes. Well, easily. If he, if easily. He, if he doesn't get the bracket this year, he'll get it next year when he's four. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're working. I'm trying to groom him. I'm trying to groom him. And he's off now. He's got to go get chocolate or something. Cause... Okay. What was, what was, the, is he somebody that sits and watches the games for a little bit? Then he gets maybe bored and goes away? Or um, is, he, is he watching any of this garbage that we watch every week? Sometimes, not very often. Uh, believe it or not, he's, he's he seems more into soccer. I mean, he he's got an arm, oh, so I mean, he, yeah. we, we might yeah. be we might be a pitcher though. We might be a pitcher. He's got quite the arm, so that's all right. We're working on throwing and and whatnot. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm hoping that he'll watch a little bit more this year and uh, just to uh, understand the struggle and the pain. But if he wants to be a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I will not be yeah. opposed to that. Yeah, yeah don't, don't let him be a Viking fan. Yeah. Um, well, I always say, if you want to get your kids interested, have them bet. Not like money, but like, you know, hey, if the Vikings win, you get chocolate. If they don't, you don't. There you go. Um, if some team gets, you know, some team does something, we get to go to the park. Or give them some incentive to watch a game or whatever. I like your have style. have stuff on the line. I like your style. I'm going to do start doing that with him. Uh, to, yeah. Put things on the line. Yep. At least even like start small. Like watch a quarter with dad. Watch. Yeah. Some, yeah. No, I like that. We're gonna we're gonna try that here. Uh, so he's gone now. He's in, gone and done that. All that. So yeah, I. I mean, yeah, it's death taxes and you beating me in fantasy football. So I highly expect that. Where, when do we play? I think is it week is it next week or uh, week three? I'm not sure. Check it out here. Um, but I I anticipate. That it will be, uh, th- that I'll lose to at some point. Also, the, the turning point of that Bengals game is I'm going for a fourth and one at the 29. Yes, yes. And not making it. And the Vikings, they, that's where they came to life. Yep. So, week three, you and I play. Um, week three. Yep. Huh. So, there you go. Well, what's odd is this game almost ended in, in a tie. Mm hmm. Uh, six of the last ties in the NFL have either involved the Kings, the Bengals, or Kirk Cousins. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is- yeah, you had all three of them there yesterday, and we nearly got another one. Yeah, because I believe the, the Bengals had a tie last year against the Eagles. They almost had a tie in this one. Kirk Cousins has tied you know with the Packers twice, I believe, now, or at least yeah. once. Yeah. And the Bengals tied with Donovan McNabb and stuff, and we mm-hmm. remember... Remember that? No, Don. Oh, I thought we kept playing until it's not. Nope, nope, Donovan, you're just a dumbass. Well, so you're a dummy. So there we go. So that is the NFL. Um, Patrick, your Patrick Mahomes stats. Yes, yes, yes. And I talked about how you know Kirk Cousins is old thirty something when he's under eighty five passer rating. Yes. Mahomes is eleven and one when his passer rating is under ninety. Uh, he's twenty-one and four when he doesn't score first. <laughs> um, oh, when the other team has the ball thirty-five minutes or less, he's forty-one and three. Oh Lord! Uh, the Chiefs, when they allow less than twenty-nine points, which they, they allow twenty-nine exactly, 
They're 37 and 1. Oh, wow. So as long as the other team doesn't score 30 points, they're going to win. They're 37 and 1. Man, he's never lost in September. Mm-hmm. He's uh, 45 and 9. That's his record all time. 45 and 9. It's so it's just amazing. Oh, it's just amazing. It's just music to my ears. Oh. Uh, if he throws 43 touchdowns in 17 games this year, which he should probably throw 43 touchdowns. Yeah, he might do that in like uh, 12 games. Then he will uh, surpass Dan Marino's stretch. This one guy, that one guy I mentioned last week, keeps a uh, tally of most touchdowns uh, after your you know 10th game, like after yes. every game. Who has the most touchdowns in their career? And uh, Dan Marino, after games 51 through 110, has the most touchdowns, passing touchdowns in his career. Well, Mahomes, he has, after three games, four games, and after eight games through 49. Wow. So um, he can maybe wipe out Dan Marino's whole existence with with that. So, yeah, he's had a very good start to his career. Um, and just whatever stat you look at, oh, I, I bet he isn't good when this happens. I bet he isn't good when that happens. Like, no, um, he, he's good when anything happens. Mm-hmm. So, well, they scored 30 points again yesterday. They scored 30-plus and 34 of his 51 starts. That's the best ever. Um, it's just ridiculous. Though, what, you know, they, they score over 23 points 97% of the time. Brady second at 70. I mean, it's just, what do you have? Three touchdowns. He didn't have four. I mentioned last week. Uh, Elway had 10, 10 games with four touchdowns. So does Mahomes. And Elway played for 20 years. So I don't, yeah, so it doesn't matter where they start on the field. It doesn't matter who they play. It's just, it's unbelievable. It is. And again, they're, they're down by 12. And like, yeah, it, it, it just doesn't matter. No. It's just, he's so good. He's just so good. And so much fun to watch. He's humble. He's down to, uh, he's not an arrogant bastard like Aaron Rodgers is. Uh, He's just, he's a great guy. And, uh, yeah, go go Chiefs. Um, Yeah. I'll say um, Rams and the Bears, Matt Stafford look good. Yes. Rams there, they should do well. Uh, Zach Wilson, my Zach Wilson. Yes. Um, didn't look good. You know, it didn't, didn't look great. Didn't look great. Um, the best part of that game was the cat that was roaming around, like yeah. the, the 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 mixed reality uh, cat that Carolina has unveiled, jumping all over the stadium. That was fantastic. Not to be confused with the cat that uh, fell from the upper deck at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami for the Hurricanes game on Saturday. Yes, a lot of cats. A lot of cats this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Looks like Mac Jones played pretty well despite the loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they have a fumble late? Uh, like New, England, New England had a fumble like, in the last four minutes or something. Washington loses Ryan Fitzmagic. Fitzpatrick, really. Yeah. Uh, for uh, what I'm seeing here, six to eight weeks with a hip sub uh, hip injury. Subluxation, I think, is or sub yeah, subluxation is what they're calling it. And uh, pipe burst during the game at uh, FedEx Field and spewing raw sewage or you know essentially poop onto some fans. 
And if that doesn't encapsulate uh, the Washington franchise from this offseason, really the last decade of uh, plus of results on the field, I don't know what does. Chargers were 14 of 18 on third down. That's insane. Insane. Before they had to kneel down at the end of the game, which we don't count. Uh, Zach Wilson, uh, I guess, took at least six sacks in his first game. So whatever this is worth, here's the last 10 quarterbacks to take six sacks in their first start. Oh boy, is, there, is David Carr on that list? He better be, or is it? Oh, of course, of course, he is. I uh, just didn't know stop if this me was if, Stop me if any of these quarterbacks are good. Okay. So Zach Wilson, I don't know how many he took. At least six. Yep. Six plus sacks in your first career start. Zach Wilson, Deshaun Kaiser, mm. Paxton Lynch, mm. maybe the best of the bunch, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, Ty, yeah Ty, Tyrod's good. He, just, I think he hasn't been given a fair shot. Um, though. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor's easily the best so far. Greg McElroy. No. Nope. Chad Henney. No. Dan Step Out of the End Zone Orlowski. Ah. <laughs> Patrick Ramsey, David Carr, and Tim Couch. All terrible quarterbacks. Sacked at least six times in their first starts. Welcome to that club, Zach Wilson. You will be a shitty, shitty player. So, so who was it? Was, yeah, some guy, uh, with Tony Romo, I think, compared him to. Aaron Rodgers. He looks like Aaron Rodgers to me. Like, what the fuck are you looking at? I like Tony Romo a lot. But and, and again, the thing about football is that all these guys all week talk about these games and they react to them, and then once we get to the end of the week, they start looking ahead towards next week and mm-hmm. telling us what we should look at. And they have no idea what's going on. This is their life's work. They're on ESPN. They're on NFL Network. They're on the radio. They're on TV. They're at column saying, this is this, this is that. And... None of it matters because they're always wrong. Because things happen every week that nobody expects. Right. They're like the weathermen. Like, well, maybe, you know, weather guys can just kind of look at the map and decide what uh, what the forecast can be for the next few days and next week. And, you know, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. And with, the, with these NFL guys, it's like, you know, things happen that you don't expect. So, and maybe the Jets yeah. should look to build the offensive line. I know, like, Mekhi Becton uh, had an injury. I, I, Who? Mekhi Becton, uh, they're off that big Who? behemoth Who of an Cardinals? offensive Who tackle. Uh, the Jets. The Jets. The Jets. Oh, yeah. yeah, the Jets. Yeah. 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 So, Zach Wilson doesn't have, like, the best line in front of him to begin with. So, you got to build the offensive line. I don't think they necessarily sp- – him taking six sacks, and by the way, it was, it was officially six sacks. That that's not necessarily an indictment on him so much as it is the offensive line, but you need to get an offensive line around him, or you aren't going to be able to get all of the talent out of him. Now, I like you. I don't think Wilson is very good, but you're not you're not going to be able to tap into all that potential unless you can protect him. And clearly, the yes. Jets couldn't. And he's he's in a terrible him. situation, so he's it's not going well for him. Um, I like that some of these teams put in their rookie quarterbacks just for a few plays. Yes. Trey Lance Trey Lance got in. I like that. Yep. Touchdown on his very first throw. Justin Fields got in a few times for Chicago. I like that. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, we're either going to bench him or play him. No, you, you can play him. Like, give him opportunities for success. Give him opportunities to build their confidence and do some good things. Yep. So I like that. So Trevor Lawrence lost for the first time in regular in a regular season game ever. 
since high school, yeah, no loss in high school. No losses in high school. No losses in the regular season in college foot in college. Yeah, he's he's gonna lose a lot this year. Yep. And yeah, Urban Meyer doesn't need to be coaching. I think that the Jaguars flat out overlooked Houston, or Houston is just tired of people telling them how bad they're going to be. I still think Houston's going to be a very, very bad team, but um, they, they look good. And Lawrence, three touchdowns, three interceptions. Wasn't great, but wasn't terrible. Um, the defense couldn't stop Houston's offense at all, and that's that's bad. That's really bad. I like San Francisco, obviously, because I picked yes. them uh, to get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And the Rams. People like the Rams. I like I like those two teams. Yes. Very good. Rams, 49ers. The no, Car- no, no. Cardinals. Don't marry. Yeah, Cardinals. Yeah. That's a good division. That's that's the best division. Yep. Very uh, very much so. So uh, we'll look ahead to week two. Also, yep. my, my poor cousin's update. You look at his stats. It looked pretty good. He held on to the ball too long. He just can't throw the fucking ball away. Mm-hmm. Throw it away once in a while. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Quit taking sacks. Well, a, lot of, a lot of just check down just when it's third and 12. Like Joe Burrow had a play. It was like third and 12 early in the game. It was like a three-step drop, one-yard pass to the tight end. Like, he didn't even look. It was like, bam, 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 look left, throw the tight end, and picked up like two yards on third and 12. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know. It just frustrates the hell out of me when you need quite a few more yards than that, and you don't even try. So, to get more. So, you didn't throw any exceptions, didn't turn the ball over, that's good. Uh, a couple passes that seemed like he was behind guys, Kirk Cousins throwing behind guys a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't catch him in stride, so. Yeah, Justin Jefferson had more drops, I feel like, in this game against Cincinnati than he did all last season. And part of that was because Kirk didn't get him the ball right away. It was like he was open, throw him the goddamn ball, throw it yep. quicker, get it there sooner, throw it ahead of the receiver. So... Cousins was kind of frustrating, but here we go, another season. Yep. Uh, next, looking ahead to next week, quick. Chiefs at Ravens on Sunday Night Football. That's easily the game of the week. 49ers at Eagles. That looks a lot better. Now Saints at Panthers. So one team is going to go 2-0 in the NFC South. Cowboys at Chargers. That looks good. Titans almost in a must-win situation at Seattle. Uh, of course, the Vikings playing the Cardinals. So uh, not, a, not a great slate, but uh, good nonetheless. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater did well. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I think uh, I think Denver starts three and zero. Could be. I don't know if they make the playoffs, but they should get off to a good start. Yep. Yep. They certainly could. As a good win uh, against Daniel Jones, who's just terrible. He's just a bad quarterback. The Giants, bad, bad team. Bad team. David Gettleman, you may as well get your resume ready, or you maybe just retire because. You pull a Randy Edsel and just retire right now because San Francisco, Philadelphia next week. That looks good. Yes. Yep. Very good. Very good. San Francisco injury bug already hitting them. Jason Verrett, the cornerback, out for the year at the torn ACL. Um, uh, the running back, Raheem Mostert, he's out for up to eight weeks with a, a chip in his leg or something. And then uh, it, within that game, Jeff Okuda, the Lions cornerback, second year man from Ohio State, uh, tore his Achilles. He's out. For the year, so not good there. Uh, we have some breaking news in college football here as of the recording of this podcast, and much to the delight, I'm sure, of our good friend David Schottenkirk. Clay Hilton is out as head coach at USC. USC with an embarrassing loss to Stanford. Um, 
on Saturday. And I would say embarrassing because it was 42 to 13 in the fourth quarter. Like that just doesn't happen. You can't do that at home there against, uh, against your rival, uh, the Stanford Cardinal. That, that just can't happen. Inexcusable. So USC loses that game. Uh, they fire him, but the significant news. So yeah, that, that didn't look good for the PAC 12, uh, Colorado lost a shitty game against Texas A&M, 10 to seven Washington loses to Michigan. Uh, so Washington looks like hot garbage, but there is hope crins in the PAC 12 because the ducks of Oregon went into Columbus and beat Ohio state. They did it without their best defensive player. They lost another uh, linebacker, Flo, or Flo, I believe his name is. Uh, he's got a significant ankle injury. So he is going to be out in an extended period of time. So we'll see how that affects the Ducks. But to go into Columbus and beat Chris Stroud, Chris Olave, and the, or CJ Stroud, Chris Olave, and the, um, and the Ohio State Buckeyes on an early kickoff time. I think that's something that kind of grinded the gears of more than a few days. It was actually fans. Friday for real. So early was Friday. Yes, yes. Uh, Justin Fields is the guy is the linebacker for Ohio State, but a huge win for the Ducks. I didn't see this one coming. I thought no. Ohio State was going to get them, but this puts Oregon in a prime position, barring an epic screw up. To make a make some headway in the uh, to give the Pac-12, I should say, a legit chance at a college football playoff team. Yeah, it was a big surprise that uh, that's the biggest win so far of the season. Mm-hmm. Georgia beating Clemson was good, but yeah, that was the big that was the big one. Uh, they're fourth right now, so Alabama, Georgia. You just don't. You, you think those two are in? You got to think Alabama and Georgia are in. Even with even if one of them loses once, you got to think they're in. Yep. And you, you know Oklahoma. Um, they should be okay. You know Clemson. I think is going to be there as long as they don't lose again. Texas A and M. Not good. Not good at all. You just feel like you know. I think I, I picked them for the playoff once, and you just. I feel like they're going to lose a game or two. You know, it is one of those teams that well, you just think they don't have their quarterback anymore. Hayden King is out, I think, all year. So they're going to lose. So, I mean, Iowa. I, I like Iowa a lot. Yes. I like them. I like Iowa a lot. Uh, Notre Dame damn near lost to Toledo. Yeah. So a lot of teams early have lost. Uh, Coastal Carolina's up to 16. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, they gave they gave up twenty two to Kansas. They, they covered the spread. They they covered the spread of twenty six with a late touchdown. Uh, spread was twenty six. They won by twenty seven. So good for them to win and cover the spread. That's got to be on um, bad beats here Monday night with Scott Van Pelt. I already tweeted out that uh, Ole Miss I think uh, needs to be in there. Right? Was it Ole Miss? What I need to go back and see. There was one. They, they, well, I don't know what they did. Um, they, yeah, Oregon looks good right now. Uh, we'll see what I mean. Iowa kind of replaces Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and I mean they got Kent State, they got uh, Colorado State, they got Maryland. These next three games, so they'll be five and zero. Yep. Iowa will be five and zero, and at least in the top five before they play Penn State. That'll be a big one. Yep. Yeah, they got Penn State, and they got out Wisconsin. You win those two, I think you're going undefeated. So, yep. uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, some upsets in the first week. I haven't heard from Trotten Kirk yet. Yeah. I went to bed before that. I didn't watch that game at all, and I wake up the next day and kind of read through what he had to say about it, and obviously it was bad. 
So, yeah, he, he's been uh, wanting him gone for years, so it finally happened. Of all the times it happens, this year, two games in. So, K- uh, Haynes King, the quarterback for Texas A&M, has a crack in his lower leg, Jimbo Fisher good. has told reporters. Uh, out four to seven weeks. So all is not lost with Texas uh-huh. A&M. But if you look at Texas A&M's schedule, and I'm bringing that up right now, if you're looking, it, it shouldn't really matter. They got New Mexico next week. Yeah, well, that's going to be a win. New Mexico could barely beat New Mexico State, so that's. I mean, yes, that that should. Look be Arkansas. Right. Arkansas beat the hell out of Texas. They did. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the SEC, Texas. Horns down. That's the funniest thing of all this weekend. Uh, besides Florida State, which we'll get to in a moment, but uh, yeah, the horns down it was absolutely hilarious. I think Texas is going to turn into Nebraska. Yeah. Yep. Nebraska competitive in the Big Twelve. Go to the Big Ten. Haven't been haven't been great Irrelevant. for four or five years. Irrelevant. Yeah. It's a good word. Texas, welcome to irrelevancy. We'll see how these divisions uh, get split up and who they have to play every year. But they never beat Oklahoma. They're not beating Georgia. They're not beating Florida. They're not gonna beat you know, LSU most years. They're not beating these teams. So, uh, well, welcome to welcome to the SEC, Texas. Yeah. You suck. You're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of money, but you're not gonna be competitive. I don't feel like. I'm looking at A and M schedule right here. Home, as you said, home against New Mexico, home against Arkansas, home against Mississippi State, and then the big one against Alabama. So Haynes is gonna miss that one. It gets a little easier after that, but um, I mean that's. It's not good. Um, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Yes. Yes. Drew and Emma, let's get on Ole Miss. Ole Miss got uh, Tulane next week and then a bye and then the big one at Alabama. We will see. We will see. I think Ole Miss is going to take A&M's spot in the college football playoff discussion. Okay. Um, They beat Alabama, then. I, I'm not saying they're going to make the college football playoff, but I think a lot of people are talking about A&M being that, that surprise. They, like, oh, if they only have one loss to Alabama or if they beat Alabama and lose somewhere else down the line, maybe not get to the SEC championship game, they could still sneak in into the college football playoff. I'm going to say Ole Miss does that instead of A&M. I still think that at the end of the deal, Ohio State's going to be there. Ohio State's going to win the conference, run the table. Oklahoma's going to be there. I hope Oregon's in the discussion because that'd be nice to have a because that's a really good win. Yes, and I'd like that'd be good to have that discussion of you know Oregon and Ohio State who gets in for the last spot. Or, Oregon, uh, Ohio State, and Clemson. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean you're going to have three teams potentially fighting for that one spot. That'll be good. That'll yeah. be hopefully hopefully Oregon can hold on here and and then you would get some things. new blood. You get some things new gonna blood in there, so that would be really yeah. good. Uh, worst loss of the weekend, easily Florida State losing to Jacksonville State, a team that got shut up by UAB, or that, that, that lost to UAB uh, in week one. They lose on a last second. It wasn't even a Hail Mary. It was just a deep pass, and, Florida, and then the, the wide receiver caught it. He was a, a transfer from Duke, I believe. And Phil Yaw Johnson, I believe is his name. And he just made everyone miss, or the, the two remaining defenders. The one wide receiver for Jacksonville State threw a block, and I almost thought that that might get uh, a flag thrown because it was slightly unnecessary. 
And if the defender's not seeing him, that I mean, that could be deemed a personal foul, uh, targeting almost. But I'm glad they didn't call it. Uh, and after all of the goodwill that Florida State built up with Mackenzie Milton against Notre Dame in Week One, for them to lose this game, oh, that that's really really bad. And uh, the the I head, assume he started that. Did he start that? Did he play that game? I he, assume he did. Yes, he did. And he did not play good. I'm pulling up the stats right now because they are not good compared to what he did against um, against what uh, compared to what he did against Notre Dame. Here's Mackenzie Milton's stats. Here, he was 18 of 31 for 133 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And then you know you. Kind of based, okay, what do we think next week based on what these teams did last week? But then sometimes you just completely just forget about it. Like it, it's just completely irrelevant sometimes. Yeah. Well, Florida State, not bad. And when they lose to Jacksonville State. And, you know, there's going to be teams in the NFL in week two that played terrible in week one that are going to pull an upset in, yeah. in week two. We don't know who they are. But there's going to be teams that, that do that. So. Yeah, just randomness. 50-50 randomness. Uh, the favorites in the NFL, I think, were 7-8 and eight in week one. Yeah, yeah. So it's like half and half. If you would have bet on all the underdogs, you would have won some money this week. Mm-hmm. So. Florida State now has to play at 2-0 Wake Forest. That is, uh, Wake is favored in that game. Then they host Louisville. That's not, uh, that's not, uh, a win for certain for Florida State. Then they host Syracuse. That should be a win. They have to go to North Carolina. That's not good. Uh, UMass comes to town. If I mean that's a that should be a W. They're at Clemson. That's not great. NC State. Uh, this is not a. I'm see. It's a. It's going to be a struggle. I think for Florida State to get to six wins now. It really is. And. Uh, just all that goodwill that Norvell had built up with the with that game against. Notre Dame, it's all gone now. It's all evaporated with this loss to Jacksonville State. Notre Dame has to do better. They can't be oh, yes. winning games in the final minute against Toledo, for Christ's sake. That's I mean, bad. Very bad. You're right. They can't be doing that. Indiana and Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at Indiana. I've got a wedding next week, so I'm going to miss pretty much everything, I think. Uh, I do have a phone now, so that helps with mm-hmm. these sorts of things. So, um... Yeah, Cincinnati, Indiana, looking at that. Indiana disappointing against Iowa. Uh, Your Tech squad has a chance to go to West Virginia. West Virginia, three-point favorite there. Yeah, and uh, and the, the Hokies lost their best tight end, or their arguably their best offensive player for the year uh, with a uh, leg surgery. Have they found him? Have no, they, have they no, put out an no. Amber Alert? No, Mr. Mitchell is out for the year oh. with a uh, – Mike Miller, Mr. Mitchell. Mr. No, not, no. not Mike Miller. It's uh, <laughs> Justin Mitchell here. I'm trying to get no. it pulled up here. He's out for the year with a leg injury, so that's um, that is significant. So bet on West Virginia. I feel I feel like yeah. I mean, or they pull an Oregon and just win without their best players. I mean, I would be okay with that. It's going to be a lot more challenging. Uh, but I mean, I don't think. Oh, sweet West Virginia beat Long Island sixty-six to nothing. I mean, big whoop. I mean, that's. Yeah. By the way, uh, Oklahoma beat Western Carolina seventy-six to nothing. So yeah. that's that's something for whatever that's worth. Yeah, Nebraska this week that could be a drubbing. Oh yeah, 
The whole Fox's Fox's promo for this. The whole state of Nebraska is going to Norman. No, they aren't. Shut the hell up. Uh, and it is uh, James no. Mitchell, the tight end for Virginia Tech, who has uh, suffered a knee injury against Middle Tennessee so State. So that's not good. A goal line running play in the second quarter, not good at all. So um, that hurts the Hokies, but they will hopefully improve to 3-0. and um, Michigan State at Miami, a couple of name teams. Uh, Purdue and Notre Dame. Notre Dame just a seven-point favorite. I guess best game would be Alabama and Florida. It yeah. is in Florida, so. But Florida uh, we'll looks what, terrible. Florida, like, yeah, they're yeah, they don't good. Their quarterback, is, their quarterbacks can't play worth a darn. I mean, their back, their starter hasn't. So I think they they may go to the backup. But Alabama is going to torch them. Florida just looks terrible through two games for what we think they should be. And uh, yeah, I mean, you got. Tulsa at Ohio State. I mean, there, there's really not a whole lot else here to look at. Auburn, Auburn, Penn State could be interesting. We'll mm-hmm. see. That's a late game on ABC, I guess. Yep. Penn State. Where's, game, where's game day this week? Penn State. They're in uh, Happy Valley for Auburn, Penn State. Penn State that. Um, late game, Arizona State, BYU. A couple teams just ranked, so. Mm-hmm. Well, those teams will be 3-0. So, BYU, looked yeah. in, BYU looked impressive against Utah. Uh, that was a good win for them. Uh, yeah, Vanderbilt beat Colorado State on the road, so that's good. Good for, good for Vanderbilt there. And LSU, holy cow! LSU couldn't even cover against McNeese State. So all like just LSU, get off that that wagon. Just they're gone. Ed, Eddie O, get 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 your hummer. Get your just get yourself oh. a new job. Get yourself a new resume because you're going to get fired this year. Did you hear what happened to them this, uh, today? I think I saw this. Yeah, uh, what what's that? This is this is quite incredible. You, you feel like this is fake, but it's not. Uh, Coach O, our Coach O, mm-hmm. says 21 players are ineligible for their game against Central Michigan this week because of academics. Apparently, they all registered for the wrong class. <laughs> one guy's out, one, some running back's out the entire year. 21, they're, they're, they're 20-point favorites. How you get 21 players for the wrong class and now they're deemed ineligible, I guess, for the Central Michigan game? Does that mean that I, the... Uh, I don't know. Does that mean that the... And yes, it's a, Emery is the guy who is out for, the, yeah. out for the year. Does that mean that that academic advisor or whoever gets fired because she registered, or he, whoever it was, uh, yeah. uh, registered 21 guys incorrectly for the wrong class? Like, how does that happen? I don't know. It's not good. It seems like we have pretty standard stuff. They'll probably take the same classes. I don't know how that happens. So I put uh, 10, 12 bucks on Central Michigan to win the game and to cover the 20-point spread. Just, you know, the, hey, just because. If, they, if, if LSU can't beat McNeese State, I don't know how they're going to cover against Central Michigan. I think that's good money. Well bet, well spent on you there. Uh, anything else from the college football weekend we need to get to? If BYU can win against Arizona State, it's at home. They can win. They can go on a run here. So their schedule not difficult after this week. Their their two best games are these last two: Utah and Arizona State. After that, you know they've got a very odd schedule with them being an independent. Mm-hmm. Not, for, not, not for long though, because they are officially going to be a part of the Big yes. Twelve. Uh, that's the big news. Uh, then Cincinnati, Central Florida, and Houston. So they, 
West Virginia's got to be leaving, right? I mean, then you'd have 13 teams. I think they're staying. Um, so Big 12's going to have 13 teams. Some team have to be in a bye every week. Um, That's dumb. I'm, 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 I don't want to leave. I don't know where I'd go. ACC probably doesn't want them. So, yeah, 13. A Big 12 team. Big 12, it's been 10 teams for a long time. Now it's going to be 13. Maybe. That Boise Hello, State game. For, yeah, that Boise State game for BYU on October 9th, 9th looms large, and yeah, then after that, I mean, yeah, there's really no one there. BYU could challenge Cincinnati then for the yeah. uh, New Year's Six. Well, how does that work? Since they're independent, are they in that mix? Well, I would think so. If, if they are ranked ahead of, kind of like Notre Dame, any other. If they're ranked ahead of everybody else besides Notre Dame, do they get the nod over somebody else? Or maybe it depends on how it all shakes out. Maybe you'd have both Notre Dame or Cincinnati and BYU in there. You could have two. Mm. I'll be curious. Yeah, so it's it's, it's not a bad week to miss some games because there doesn't appear to be much much there. No. Nope, I think think you're right. Right on that. Uh, Anything else college football related we need to get to? SGSU be Lindenwood. Okay. Isaiah Davis going to be um, out for a while, it sounds like. That's not good. Uh, they got to buy this week. They play Indiana State. So, yeah, they're, they're, they, should, they should be good. I don't think they've played Indiana State now in four years. They haven't? I don't think so. Cause they oh, were, really? I, I think the last time they played was because they, they like, there's one team that they don't play every two years, I think. Mm-hmm. And the. This like the year before, they they didn't play them at all during COVID, and then Indiana State was the team that they didn't play two years prior, or like for the the previous two yep. years, they played everyone else in the valley. So this is the first matchup I think in four years. That's interesting. I think and, uh, I think it is anyway. I'd have to make sense. Pretty sure. So anyway, and the Frost Frost Arena. Uh, getting some renovations, like it's fifty million dollars. I saw some. Uh, I saw some photos that the Summit League tournament two years ago of what they want to do. Uh, with like they made they made made the big announcement today. Um, it's going to be known as First Bank and Trust Arena. Well, why? What happened to Frost? Because uh, they're saying screw him. Because the the largest single gift in the history of SDSU, $20 million from First Bank and Trust. Hmm, so I, Trust then, Arena. I wonder who donated that. Would that be J- Dana J. Dykehouse? Fishback and whoever. Oh. Um, something like oh, that. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, I guess that's, Premier Bank would be... Yeah, this is First Bank. This is Fishback. The oh, Fishback, the Fishback. They got okay, soccer yep. complex. Yep, yep. Uh, First Bank and Trust, Fishbacks. Yep. So it's uh, going to look different. What is it? Two, two couple years away here. A couple years away. So, yeah, it's been around for about 50 years. So, like, I haven't been up there in a long time. But it, it looks, I'm sure it looks nice. It'll look fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, Foster, that was, uh, that was nice. That was a nice little, kind of looks like USDs, what USDs looks like, really. Okay. So I, I can't imagine there's going to be as many people in there with the way this with suites and it just doesn't look as big as it uh, used to. But yeah, Frost Arena, that was a good little arena. So 
Well, it's, I just like the, you know, the SDSU's athletics uh, complexes are just continuing to get nicer and nicer and put SDSU in that spot where they can be competitive. And we all know that the color green uh, dominates college uh, athletics and, you know, money, money talks and money is certainly pumping into SDSU and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So. At the uh, the wrestling complex, wrestling practice facility, going to the football field, they broke ground on that. So it uh, looks a lot, a lot of changes than when you and I went to school there. <laughs> you, me, and the Panthers. Yes, Northern Iowa. Yes, yes indeed. Uh, let's go to the diamond quick as we head down the stretch. A couple weeks to go here in the baseball season. That the Yankees. Uh, I don't know if this win against the Twins is going to turn their season around, but they are really slumping here. The Jays are on fire, scoring 44 runs in three games against Baltimore here over the weekend. They actually lost the first game of that four-game series with them. Uh, this is They scored 44 runs in 20 innings. That's insane. It's just insane. I've been waiting for them. I've mentioned Toronto. Their, their run differential is really good. Yep. And now it's starting to, you know, some teams come back to earth. Now things are starting to even out with Toronto. And, yeah, you got the, the wild card races. We got three weeks to go. Mm-hmm. And Toronto, Boston, New York, half game. Half game between them all. So that's a, it's a good race. And then National League, you got uh, Padres, Cincinnati, St. Louis. That's one game between those three. So some good wild card races here with three weeks to go. Uh, the the Red Sox schedule they have to go to Seattle but they get Baltimore at home they the they get the Mets apparently in a er, Mets for a two game series the Yankees again they they finish up with the Orioles and the Nationals so Boston has a very doable schedule there from that standpoint the Yankees have the Orioles the, the Jays have the toughest schedule out of any of the three but the Yankees do have to play the Rays. Again, they do have to play the Red Sox. So, I mean, this is not um, this isn't a foregone conclusion as to who makes it here. But I would no. I would say that the Yankees probably make it over the Jays just because of the schedule. Yeah, Toronto's got uh, Tampa Bay this week, so it'll be tough. So, I, I would much prefer to see Tampa Toronto in there. Oh yes, yes, as we all would. Yep, and for the Yankees to just tank the way they have after following that 13 game win streak is is rather staggering that's why i thought oh man the twins will get this win i mean the the yankees just continue to go down in the dumps but they do get the the win so uh the poopy twins doing that uh seattle's still in the mix against uh over oakland so seattle's not out of this yet by any stretch for the wild card there so hopefully that continues there, but we're thinking that the a- the AL East is going to get the two wild cards, right? Oh yes, yep, yep. Oakland, Seattle are still there, but they've dropped off. And, yeah, you'd say those those two just kind of like the uh, yeah, it'll like, like the NL West will get two, maybe mm-hmm. uh, AL East could get two. Jorge Polanco hit his thirtieth home run today. He's, yeah, so thirty so home good. runs for George Polanco, outstanding here. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic. Really is. Bucks, Buxton hit one today. Uh, Sano hit one. Sano's gotten better. Um, he's had 27 home runs. So, like, it doesn't matter with this fucking Yankees twin. It's. I saw it was four to nothing third inning. I'm like, yeah, 
whatever. I saw 5-2 in the bottom of the eighth, and I thought, oh, they actually have a chance here. Unless it's like 10 to nothing. Did they I, I, Did they beat, the, beat them once this year? Uh, yes. If, did did yes. they once, one and six, one and seven, whatever yep. it was? Yep. And they had to go there again, one of those deals where they're at home, nice, comfortable home, go to New York for one game, and then come right back home. Mm-hmm. They did that uh, a week or so ago. They were at home. They had to go to Detroit for an afternoon game at one on a Monday, and then they had to come right back home. Yeah. It's insane. That sucks. Uh, the Giants are leading the Dodgers by two and a half in the NL West. As you mentioned, the NL wild card uh, is really shaping up well between the, the Reds, the Padres, and the Cardinals are fast uh, approaching here. I just don't understand what's going on with the, the Padres. And the Phillies, uh, they are falling apart. The Braves now have a four and a half game lead on them. The Mets are still somehow in this, just at five back. Uh, asked it last week. I thought maybe the Phillies, given their schedule, would be able to take down the Braves. But now that the Braves have a four and a half game lead, we're thinking the Braves win this division, right? Yeah, four and a half games with what, twenty to go or so. That's that's a good lead. He's got to go five hundred. No, I mean, yeah, other teams got to go fifteen and five to catch you. So you like your chances. Uh, anything else baseball related? Do you have a hitter and pitcher of the week at all? I'm going to see if I can name a hitter and pitcher of the year. Okay, so let's we'll we'll just hold off on that until the end of the year. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was no hitter this weekend. There was the Brewers, I think, right? No, yeah, Brewers. Brewers uh, yeah. yeah, the Brewers. So hit the Indians uh, yes. combined no hitter. Yeah, I missed it. I missed, I didn't see any of it. They did that. That's nine. That breaks the record of all time back to 1884. Nine no hitters. Wow. They did it. Um, another one of those. Uh, Max Scherzer has been exceptional for the Dodgers. He's given up, I think, five runs in 50 innings. And so, he reached 3,000 yeah, strikeouts with an immaculate inning, too. Yep. Yeah. 3,000 strikeouts for him for his career. And uh, what he had a perfect game going into the. Eighth inning last night versus San Diego. Uh, twins, the J- Joe Ryan, the guy they got for Nelson Cruz, he had a perfect game into the seventh. I think against Cleveland again you, last week. That was his second start, so that was impressive. You build the rotation around him, right? He's got to be your ace. Yeah, he's he probably yeah because they're going to have five new starters next year, and you got him penciled in. To is he going to be your opening day starter? Perhaps we'll see uh, what happens, but that. Uh, could be very possible. Um, probably don't want him to be, but probably is going to because they don't got much for pitching. So, and Cleveland went, they got no hits, and they went I mean, 25 straight innings against the Twins without any runs. So, and then and, and Twins will not lose 100 games, so that's good. They'll mm-hmm. probably lose 90. Um, they have Max Scherzer making a late push for Cy Young to be his fourth. So, he's making a late push. That would be Jacob DeGrom. He couldn't stay healthy. Uh, Corbin Burns and Walker Buehler, they've had great years, but I think it might be Max Scherzer. That would be impressive. Would be impressive. And who does he who does he think? Does he think the does he think the Bra- the Dodgers organization or the Nationals organization? Or does he think both in his acceptance? Both. Speech? Both. Both. Both, I guess. And in the American League, I guess Garrett Cole, he would be your Cy Young Award winner. Nobody in the American League having a great year. Right. Three, three best three, four, five pitchers are all in the National League. Mm-hmm. Um, Garrett Cole, I guess, by default. 
really the only guy with an area under three. So Garrett Cole, Robbie Ray for Toronto's had a good year. So Garrett Cole probably your your Cy Young. Robbie Ray might be in the top five. We'll see what happens there as uh, we'll take a look again at the wild card standings next week as the that'll be the last week. No, two, we have two weeks left of the right two two weeks. Yeah, yeah. we got we three got weeks. this week. Three we weeks. go into the first week of November, so yep. three three weeks to go. Yep. So we'll we'll see what happens there. A lot can happen. A lot can change as we've seen now with the Yankees. Uh, the recent slide, and of course, uh, well, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. There, there's still a lot of baseball left to be played in, for several teams here with some of these races. Um, anyway, Let me make another bold statement. Yes, please. I think Urban Meyer is going to step down pretty soon. Really? Okay. And I think he's going to go to USC. All right. That yeah, you know what? That's a possibility. I you wow 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 wow. That would piss off. How would how would Schottenkirk feel about that? His his. Jaguars, I'm sure he'd be very happy about that. I'm sure he'd be ecstatic about that. But it's his Jaguars that he's stepping down from. Yeah, he says fuck his Jags, uh, USC all the way. He sees that opening. It's like yeah, I'm gonna go here. I'm a college coach. Like it. Like, it just doesn't work, does it, for college coaches to go to the NFL? Like, it just doesn't work. Jimmy Johnson is one of the lone exceptions. Uh, Pete Carroll's like had pretty good. Yeah. Nick Saban, like Nick Saban, before Nick Saban was Nick Saban, didn't work for Miami. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Bobby Petrino. Like, why would you ever hire a college guy? Urban Meyer, as good as they come, but it, I mean, it's Jacksonville. You know, if he, if he wants to... Stick it out, which he probably won't. You know, if he wants to stick around four or five years, a quarterback might be good. But, boy, um, college coaches, just unless I'm missing somebody, just uh, usually don't work out. What about Lincoln Riley? I, if he wants to, I, I don't I don't think he'd be any good. Unless you, unless you, you, know, you, go, to the, you go somewhere, you go to Dallas, you, you go to a team that's worth a damn. But usually these coaches go to teams that aren't very good. How about this? How about Chip, look at, how about Chip yeah. Kelly? Yeah, that, that did not work out very well. No. No, but, oh, I, but, but, but okay. I'm, I'm saying what if Chip Kelly just jumped ship from UCLA uh, to USC? I don't think so. I don't think so. All right. Just, I'm just throwing it out there. USC is going to go for the big fish. They're going to go for Urban Meyer. They're going to go... Uh, Dabble? They're going to go for him. Dabble Saney? I don't think so. I, if I'm him, I would stay. I'd say Clemson. I got, I got it all set up at Clemson. Yeah. So let's make let's make Urban Meyer happen. Let's make him resign like tomorrow, and have him be the USC coach Wednesday. All right, I like it. I like the bold prediction there. Thank uh-huh. you. Uh, anything else we need to get to on the sports front before we go to Serial Land? Uh, oh, I think we covered it all. How about how did yeah. Mitchell do last week? Uh, both, I think it was uh, both volleyball matches lost, and then they lost uh, against Aberdeen, correct? Oh, uh, yeah. Football lost to Aberdeen. Aberdeen's pretty good. Um, they play T next week, who's number one, so that should be a delight. <laughs> uh, volleyball lost two, but then they beat Huron on Saturday, so volleyball's five and four. It's the best they've been in three years. Very good. They play Spearfish and Douglas on the same day in Spearfish. They should win both. 
two terrible teams. So that would put them at seven and four, and that'd be a good spot. Uh, football, football struggling. Uh, penalties and turnovers. So three and six maybe at this point. They're one and two. They got a tough month ahead of them. So they could maybe be one and one and six at the end of the stretch unless they pull an upset. Oh, so hopefully, so that's bad. Hopefully that won't that won't happen. But uh, could could be could be a little difficult here. Well, let's get to some serial talk and, and end on a on a brighter note here. Uh, we're just gonna do a couple of letters this week. Q's and R's. Uh, here, quisp. Quisp. I don't know. All right. I, I did see a cereal here in uh, at Costco the other day that starts with a Q, and I believe that that's what the this is here. Quaker Oatmeal Squares by Quaker Oats. They actually looked fairly good. Uh, would this be like uh, Frosted Mini Wheats? Their version? I think. Kinda, yeah, or like a life cereal type deal. I like oatmeal, uh, warm oatmeal. Haven't tried these. These might be good. Give them a no, but I would be willing to try these. Uh, yeah, I just need a little bit of sweetness, not a lot. A little bit of sweetness. Quaker oatmeal squares. Honey nut oatmeal squares. That's it. Yeah. Um, not bad. I, I I would I would I would try that. That's in the store next time. I may pick that up. How about Quaker O's by Quaker Oats? Those have got to be Cheerios. I would think. I'm giving no. I again, honey nut Cheerios, good. A lot of good varieties of Cheerios. Um, plain Cheerios, just too plain for me. I hope I gave Cheerios a, a no in the initial thing. I think I did, and so yeah, no, no to plain Cheerios. No to plain Cheerios here. Let let me. See where we were at here on this, uh, Cheerios. You have all these written down on a huge legal pad, or I, I, I like have them written down on several different sheets. Uh, you said yes to fruity Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios, and multigrain Cheerios. Oh yes. I will put these in an Excel spreadsheet here. Oh my God. At yes. some point uh, in the future, and we'll we'll highlight which ones you say yes, so you can put them in your pantry and which ones you might uh, might try or i'll just put them in there so you could be like yeah you know what maybe i'll try these one day so you'll, you'll have that here i'll do it on a google doc uh, so we have that so let's go to our cereals then and there are a number of them well, that was it well goddamn yeah not, done. not much on not much on the uh on the uh q front there how about raisin brand by kellogg's yeah raisin brand's a good one Eat it once in a while. Uh, thumbs up to Raisin Bran. It's good. Uh, kind of the rare cereal where I like uh, raisins aren't bad, where I like a little something extra in the cereal. So the flakes are good. The raisins are good. Thumbs up to Raisin Bran. Very good. That is the first yes we've had in a little while here. I think since the M's and Mini Wheats, which is also Kellogg's. How about Raisin Bran Crunch? No, again, with the nuts... No, too much, too heavy. Keep your nuts out of my syrup. <laughs> How about Raisin Nut Brand then? I guess uh, by General Mills. No, General Mills Raisin Nut Brand. Uh, go to hell with your nuts, Raisin Nut Brand. Uh, no. Okay. Nuts. I mean, putting nuts in your serum, I'm sure it's probably good for you, but Jesus Christ, get them out. How about? Raisin Squares by Kellogg's. 
Look at the raisin squares. Raisin squares. Oh, this is old time. This looks like an old time cereal. Okay, I don't have a. It, it didn't give me a year, so I. Jeez, what the fuck's in this? There's oh, get this, get this. If the, I don't know if these are even around anymore, but they're frosted mini wheats with raisins inside. Oh, gross! Oh, raisin, raisin filled whole wheat biscuits, as they call them. <laughs> gross. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a bold, bold fucking move there, oh. Kellogg's. Oh, that sounds just absolutely disgusting. So no, no thanks on that. Um, all right then. How about raisin wheat by Kellogg's? Raisin wheat. Those raisin wheat. Okay, look at this. Oh, I've never seen these. Who the hell makes frosted mini wheat sack? Kellogg's? Frosted Mini Wheats, I thought it was Kellogg's. Uh, That's Kellogg's, so what the hell is this? Raisin Wheats? Just raisin with Frosted Mini Wheats or not? Yeah. <clears throat> Again, I'm not, the Mini Wheats need to be frosted, and these appear not to be. I'm going to say no. Okay. Maybe the raisins help with that, but... Yeah, Kellogg's wheats, raisins, no. Raisin or no. How about Ready Breck, B R E K, by Weedabix Limited? Another great <laughs> name. <laughs> Ready Breck? No, whatever, no. <laughs> this looks like oatmeal or shit. This looks like porridge. This looks like shit. No. My favorite cereal right now here uh, Reese's Puffs by General Mills. So no, for me, I don't like pe peanut butter and cereal. For me, is not doesn't mix for me for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Reese's puffs. I would like to try them since Reese's are exceptional. Uh, probably no. I'll put a maybe here though that you would be willing to try it. Um, I'm interested. I don't think I would like it, but. Yeah, Reese's Puffs. Post made a Reptar Crunch in 1999. I have to think that oh, that's an, an homage to Rugrats, which, by the way, I think came out some like 30 years, 20 years that's ago. Exciting. I think I think Rugrats are back. I think they got new uh, new shit going on with them. Uh, Reptar, no, but uh, good good job there from way back. Uh, yeah, little Reptars, little dinosaur guys in the cereal. Um, you know, not, not, not the worst thing. There have been a lot of bad things, uh, mm -hmm. but not, not the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, I have no idea who makes this. I have no idea if it's in production or not, but Rice Bubbles. Rice Bubbles. Rice uh, Krispies. That'll be, I guess. This looks like Crisp. Crisp looks like a uh, Rice Bubbles. This is Kellogg's. This is... What is the difference between this and Rice Krispies? What? Because it's got the, the three little guys on the box. What? What am I missing here? I don't know. That, that, I'm just. Uh, What's, what is what? What is the difference here? Is this the New Zealand? In Australia and New Zealand, Rice Krispies are called Rice Bubbles. All right. Well, there you go. So. I would have to give them a yes, since they appear to be the same thing, and I would give Rice Krispies a yes. So I didn't know this was 
I, I, I got to give a yes to Rice Bubbles, I guess. All right. Very good. We'll get to Rice Krispies here in just a second. Uh, we got to go to Rice Honeys by Nabisco first. Do we have to? Rice Honeys? <laughs> this looks like an old one as well. Rice Honeys. Probably no honey and rice. It's no, it's no for me. Okay. Uh, now we get to Rice Krispies here, and there are a lot out here. Yeah. Uh, let's start with which, so I'm just going to put down which ones you would eat. It's a yes overall, you said, right? Yeah, right. Rice Krispies are good, you know, uh, not a lot to them, good enough. Um, okay. The little guys in that, in that the snap, crackle, and the pop. Yep. Um, so co I mean, yeah. how about Cocoa Krispies? Uh, no, I've got some of those, and that's chocolate thing. I think I've got a little thing I want to try it. I don't, again, I love chocolate, but not chocolate milk. How chocolate cereal, so uh, no for me. How about Frosted Krispies? I don't know if I've had them. Um, say no. How, how about uh, Honey Rice Krispies? Honey Honey is an interesting ingredient because Honey Nut Cheerios is good. And there's certain Honey Nut things that I like in cereals. Um, I'm going to say no for the time being. I'm, I'm interested in some of these, though. Uh, Rice Krispies Treat Cereal. I had this as a kid. It, and I, I... Have you you've had this? Yes, yeah, so this may be my second favorite cereal behind Reese's Peanut Butter. Always, um, it is very sweet. It is. No doubt about that. Uh, but it is good. Uh, it's a yes for me. All right. Um, I had it here, I don't know, within the last year or two. I'm like, I liked this as a kid. Uh, give me this again. It was sweet. Mm -hmm. But I, uh, Rice Krispie Treats here, the clusters, I did like it. Uh, that's a yes for me. How about Crispy Rice by Malto Meal? Probably... Some of the knockoffs, you can't tell much of a difference, and some of them are sometimes even better than the original. You got, you got to watch out sometimes because they are a little different. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to, hard to mess up Rice Krispies, so I will give them a yes. All right, and how about Harvest Morn Crisp Rice by Aldi? Another name that this slips off the tongue. Harvest Rice? Yes. By who? Har Harvest Morn Crisp Rice by Aldi. Morn Crisp Rice. Aldi's got a lot of good cheap stuff. Uh, I don't know what this is. Um, <clears throat> no, they're not. Eh, I'm going to say no just to be on the safe side. Okay. Uh, here, I don't know if this one's in. We have two more left. Uh, Richard Petty's 43s by General Mills. Oh, yeah. Let's get Richard Petty's cereal. What would this look like? Little race cars in there. Richard Petty. Yep. Old good old Dick Petty. Um, no for me. Never heard of it. These look like, uh, you, know, you know what they are stacking? I hope they're rice, or, uh, um, race cars. Uh, they're fours and threes. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> Richard Petty's four uh, 43s, and they're just a bunch of fours and threes. They look all right. They're nothing uh, 
there maybe Cheerios, maybe just Cheerios uh, in the shape of fours and threes, uh, which if it's plain, it's no for me, but it's a good effort. Final one here. Uh, this one it has to be in your uh, pantry. Rips Big Bowl by Engine 2 Diet. <laughs> Rips Big Bowl. Big old rip. Rips Big Bowl. I can't imagine what's in this. this again, this looks like something you feed the cows. <laughs> it looks like there's... Whatever the fuck I'm looking at here, it's, yeah, it's like everything I... It's like they took... Wherever they make this shit, it's like, it's like, it's like they took four or five different cereals. So, well, we got a, a couple extras of this, a couple extras of that. Let's just empty the bottom of our containers and put them all in one box it looks like <laughs> well, there's frosted mini wheats maybe a few raisins maybe a few nuts a couple of okay there's four or five different things and you're fucking ridiculous is what this thing looks like um yeah bunch of shit bunch of nuts bunch of grains bunch of crap might be okay maybe like just look like crunched up granola with mini wheats on top so no to Engine 2, Rips, Big Bull, whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> Very good. So we had four this week. Rice, uh, Raisin Bran, uh, they're all Kellogg's. So Raisin Bran, Rice Bubbles, Rice Krispies, and within that Rice Krispie Treats, and Crispy Rice by Malto Meal. So we Kellogg's, have, Kellogg's, they know what they're doing. Yep, they do. And we have two weeks left in this cereal brigade. Uh, it's very next, exciting. Next week, S&T. And then the next week, U through Z. So, Fro- Frosted Krispies I'd be interested in. Uh, I would maybe purchase those if I uh, would see them in the stores. Uh, cookies and Cream Rice Krispies. Seems to be an interesting one as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Rice Krispies, a, a solid, solid cereal. Indeed. Indeed. Anything else we need to get to before we say so long? Should be good. My uh, number one seed fantasy uh, baseball team is lost in the first round of the playoffs. No! Uh, it just so happened that I played the team that got the most points, the eighth seed. And I got the second most points that week, but uh, it didn't matter. Oh. They lost, by about, lost by about 20 points. Walker Beeler shit the bed something fierce. Oh, and so you don't get a jersey now then, right? Uh, no, nothing. So my, oh. my quest of... Having a good team, still nothing there. So, oh, I'm sorry. I was I lost by 20. I think Walker Buehler had like negative 13 against the Giants oh. a couple weekends ago. Sunday night, I was like, all right, I need seven, eight points from you. That's usually give me 15 or 20. Mm-hmm. So just just a good start from him, and I would have been uh, been fine. So that dream is dead. Uh, I lost in my other league. Uh, won the. First round, so I got into the semifinals, and the other guy just fucking throttled me. Oh. So I'm good enough to get to the semifinals, not quite, you know, in that 4-5 range, not anywhere close to getting in that top top two or three. So oh, yeah. oh. we continue there, and then uh, my guillotine league, though, I should be in the last two. Well, that's good. That's good. So. And that, that involves uh, some money, so that is good. Mm-hmm. We've got... Uh, no, We've got three weeks to go, or uh, one week to go. Uh, this round ends Thursday, and I'm up by 200-some points on number three, so I'll, I'm fine with that. Yeah. And I'm up on number two by a good 80, 90 points, so we'll see if I can put that together. 
And I'll get at least get second in this thing. So my team playing well at the end. So well, I'll finish at least second, and that'll be that'll be that'll be my one good baseball fantasy team. Well, I hope you salvage at least that one. So mm-hmm. best of luck to you there. Best of luck to you in fantasy this week. And we will have a good call uh, this week against T. And have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right. We'll see you later. Travis Krenz joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time, as always. Great stuff there. Uh, so we talked the Vikings and them shitting the bed against the Bengals. Fantasy, baseball, a lot of college football, a lot of NFL talk. And we will continue the college football talk, try and get Charlie Hildebrand on next to uh, take a look at what's happened the first couple of weeks, get his analysis. Oregon, though, the big winners here in week two with that upset win in Columbus over Ohio State. This podcast can be found, as, as well as every other of our Sports Block podcasts, can be found at podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, Travis Crins on Twitter at Travis Crins. A link to the podcast post the middle to later part of each week. Coming up next, though, we are continuing the football talk uh, with Charlie Hildebrand and more college football talk. We have NFL picks coming up, and we'll try and get Noah at some point. I can't guarantee when, but we'll, we'll get him on at some point to to pick some games here this week. That's all coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com. More to come here next. You're listening to the Sports Block Podcast. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, it's time to talk some more college football, and who better to do that with than my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review, Charlie Hildebrand, our resident college football expert. Charlie, how are we doing? I'm good. I'm glad I'm not the Florida State offensive lineman who planned the proposal to his girlfriend and after the Jacksonville State game. And it was like, oh, no, he lost to Jacksonville State. And I have to still go through with this proposal now because I set all this up. You, you know what? Let's just start right did there. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Let's just start right there. Uh, this guy is getting a lot of slack, and I don't think it's justified by any stretch because, as you said, I mean, he has to plan this well in advance. And... You know, he's not expecting uh, – I'm trying to get the guy's name here. I mean, you're not expecting to lose to Jacksonville State, an FCS school. I mean, Florida State had never lost to an FCS school, or at least not since 1958. So there was no reason to expect that – And on top of that, they've not been great recently. And if you were going to say, hey, let's pick a game – that we're almost certainly going to win, that would be the one that you would point to if you're Florida State. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they they lose the game on a last second. It wasn't even a Hail Mary. It's just a long pass. Was it Philia, Johnson, or whatever? A Duke, a Duke transfer catches it, makes a couple of guys for Florida State miss. Then there was a block that I thought they might call like a blindside block and might negate the touchdown uh, just looking at him like, wow, that's way too close for comfort. But he gets in. Jacksonville State, who lost to UAB the week before, pulls out the miracle win. And then afterward, you see this poor you know, offensive lineman uh, get chastised and all over the internet for proposing to his girlfriend after the game. Uh, pulling up his name right now. Hey. You know much more about this stuff than I do, since you are a married and yep. have proposed before. I am not married and have not proposed to anybody. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, obviously, not all proposals are the same. But I'm assuming that there's a good chance that it was like, "Hey, let's make sure 
like parents or family members are here also. And even if that's not the case, it's still something that you're like, hey, I've set this up and we're doing it here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think the problem is that people mistakenly think that if you're going to do it, everything's going to be like Ian Johnson at Boise State, exactly. where it's like, oh, hey, you just won the game in the most remarkable fashion ever, and then you just pulling it out of your pocket up your uh, your sock five minutes later in the perfect moment. Right. I'm assuming he probably at that point, I mean, well, clearly at that point because he had the ring on. But that is just not usually going to be like that. I mean, and I don't even mean in terms of winning or losing. It's just not going to be that dramatic that often. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, I mean, and the other thing, too, is I would imagine, even if you know the girl's going to say yes, it's probably still nerve-wracking. You just want to get it done and out of the way with as opposed to being like, nope, nope, sorry, we got to wait another three weeks now until we're at home again, and it's the right time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, because you... You know, like when I proposed to Kelsey, I had asked both her mom and her dad, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna kind of do it like when we're on vacation." And her mom had expected because she, Kelsey and her mom were flying back from Chicago. They were at a wedding there, and I was gonna propose at this resort that we were staying at in Alexandria. And you know, it's, it, it, her mom thought that she was that I was gonna propose right there when she had dropped her off and stuff. I'm like, "Nope, not gonna do that." So. Um, I mean, there's certain elements to it where you're like, okay, were the girlfriends or now the you know, the fiance's parents there? I don't know, but you certainly have to have someone there to give you know the ring and and stuff. And there was probably a whole like maybe an engagement party or celebration planned after that that everyone that that people were going to attend. So this poor guy here. Uh, Brady Scott is his name. He proposes to his girlfriend, Michaela Pierce, and I guess it's also worth noting. I don't know. I'm assuming she said yes. I'm, yes. I didn't look deep into it, so okay. Yes. For his sake, I'm glad that it wasn't worse. Where it's like, oh, all that bad stuff. Then she also said, no. Never oh mind. yeah, well, that would be I'm the glad, that would, I'm glad that didn't happen. The loss to Jacksonville it, State would be the second worst loss of the day then for for, yeah. for, for poor Brady Scott. But he proposes, and on the field, the Jacksonville State Gamecock team is celebrating. Their fans are celebrating. Everyone's celebrating because of this massive upset. And everyone's like, whoa, you picked the wrong time to do it. It's like, what the hell's wrong with people that they have to ruin this poor guy's moment? Like, don't you think it's already he's kind of bummed enough uh, about the loss? And then he's like, oh, my gosh, now I'm really nervous. Like, I, I was nervous playing in this game, and now I'm I'm nervous, you know, like, will she say yes or whatnot? I mean, there's a whole lot of nerves, a, a whole different set of nerves that comes with a proposal. And, I mean, it, and the planning and stuff that goes into it, I mean, it's, it's my goodness. It's just, what's what the hell's wrong with people? That's what I want to know. People are angry. People want to find things to be angry about, I guess. Yeah, I mean... Ah, I, I I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe then, like, if there, if there's one thing to take away, like, oh, just don't propose after the game, uh, like, after any game, because you never know what might happen, regardless if you think you're going to win or not. But I, they seem happy. They It was a lovely moment, and people are shitting on him because his team just lost to an FCS school for the first time in Florida State program history. So, hey, second. You know who Jacksonville State can beat? Florida State. You know who they can't beat, though? Who's that? Love. UAB? Love. 
Oh, that's so true. Oh, look at that, Charlie. Melting hearts across this great country of ours. Um, and to the game itself, again, Jacksonville State wins on the last second play. Again, not a Hail Mary, but just a, a crazy play. And Florida State inexplicably didn't have enough guys back um, on defense. But all the goodwill that Matt Norvell and Mackenzie Milton had you know, kind of built up with their near come from behind win to beat Notre Dame over Labor Day weekend. It's gone now. Absolutely gone. Mackenzie Milton played awful, which is again inexplicable given that the, the given the level of the opponent that he Yeah, could, we were ready to write Disney movie scripts about the way he played against Notre Dame the week. Right. I think we can I can't think we can stop with uh, with calling Steven Spielberg or uh, um, any of it was know, greenlit, but I think it's getting stuck in production hell now, yeah. and it's probably never going to get finished. I mean, how do you explain this? And I mean, Matt, Matt Norvell was already under the hot seat given how bad Florida I think State it's was Mike last Norvell. Week. Is it Matt Norvell? I was thinking it was Mike, but either way, was it Mike? Oh, regardless, it's an it's Norvell. Maybe, either, you're right. Maybe, no, maybe it's Mike Norvell, Norvell. And Florida State. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's Mike Norvell. I mean, but how, still. How do you? It, it, you know, but the only upside I could say is maybe Florida State's just in chaos this year, where it's just like, nope, every every game's going to be a touchdown or less. Doesn't matter. And if you're a Florida State fan, it's probably not going to make uh, your heart rate get better. But yeah, and you're that's right. It's the is, only positive I can make. You know, it if is, you're a Florida State. It is Mike Norvell, but I mean, Florida State is one of those programs, along with Texas, along with USC. Along with even like your Nebraska Cornhuskers that expect to be competitive and you know be in the the championship discussion on a yearly basis, but maybe a lot of these fans are stuck in the yesteryear and just it's think it's their given birthright that they should be competing for national championships year in and year out. I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is certainly not what Florida State expected. But if you're Mike Norvell, how do you? How do you overcome this? Because things could not have gotten it. You know, again, all the goodwill you had built up the week before completely evaporated now. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, I guess it's, I mean it's the second year. I guess I got to just keep moving forward, hope things get better, and maybe they will. But I don't know. Florida State had the bottom fall under Jimbo's last year since then, in a strange way that. Like, they're a college football team, but they did almost in, like, the way NFL teams are, where mm -hmm. it's just like, oh, yeah, they're just not run well. I don't know what's going on. And I, I don't know how much that's coaching or, or what, but you would think that of a lot of the jobs that are or a lot of college football teams that are historically very successful, I'm not saying Florida State's the easiest job, like, or the number one easiest job or the easiest place to get talent to. Mm -hmm. But it's easier than most of them are. So yes. you would think that acquiring talent probably isn't the problem. It's developing it, using it correctly. And I don't – I mean, at this point, I guess we don't even know if it's a doorbell problem or if it's just stuff left over from when Jimbo failed and uh, what's his name? I'm glad I was forgetting. Really, uh, Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart, yeah. Who got, right. fired, who got fired after two years. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, and that that Willie Taggart hire that was not a good hire either. But I mean, and the funny thing though is that he, he, I mean, he ended up, but he was one that everyone was like, "Oh wow, he's a great hire. He's going to be perfect for Florida State." And then it ended up being terrible, which is just weird how hires work. Sometimes. I mean, Florida State has at least won a national championship more recently than, say, Texas. I mean, Texas gets blown out by Arkansas, forty to twenty-one. Uh, I mean, Texas seems like they're. I mean, welcome to the SEC. Putting in another perspective, I think Florida State's won a national title more recently than every college football team at the FBS level, not named Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, or LSU. I think those are the only teams that have won well, a title more recently than Florida State. That that's certainly some. Uh, that's a silver lining there, hopefully for Seminoles fans. But I mean, Texas, welcome to the SEC. They get blown out by Arkansas, horns down, and I mean, it was very funny what Arkansas did. Uh, very unexpected too. I thought Texas. You know, I didn't think Arkansas was that good, but. I mean, Texas... And I don't know if they are that good. They still might just be, like, the 11th best team in the SEC. Like, that's not... That's a bad loss for... Like, in year one, it's not a good loss, period. But it's an especially bad loss because Tom Herman wasn't bad as the head coach at Texas. Mm -hmm. They just didn't think he was good enough. And if if Tom Herman was terrible, you could at least say, well, we're rebuilding and we're trying to do stuff, yada, yada, yada. But... Much like with, you know, uh, when Iowa State fired Dan McCarty and hired Gene Chiswick or when Nebraska fired Frank Solich and then later both lead and then hired Bill Callahan and uh, Mike Riley. When you're firing coaches who are decent, you just don't think they're good enough. Like, those are the lots you can't have because it's like, well, no, we just fired someone for losing games like this. So. Right. So, and I don't remember, I've talked about this with a few people, I think we talked about this, but I don't remember for sure, but just how weird it was not just that they fired Tom Herman, but that Steve Sarkeesian was the guy to replace him, and I think they're just kind of basically, it's just like, well, yeah, this is what uh, this is what he signed up for, Texas. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it was a lateral move, it wasn't like they got a better head coach out there at the time, but I mean, if this is a sign of things to come, Texas is going to be a middle-of-the-road SEC school. Texas is never going to be what Texas once was or is. <laughs> middle-of-the-road might be giving them too much credit. Sure, right, absolutely. But, I mean, this is not something that I think, you know, right now Texas fans are like, okay, we're going to compete in the Big 12 and, and we're going to be good. What are they going to be able to do in the SEC? Because if you're going to lose to Arkansas this bad, well, are you just going to look forward to beating Vanderbilt and South Carolina each year? I mean, this is, it, it's bad. It's not a good look for for Texas right now, and I don't see how it gets any better once they actually get into and, SEC play. And you mentioned, I don't know how they're going to do divisions or if they're going to do divisions, but you mentioned South Carolina and Peterbilt. Mm-hmm. If they stick with a general geographic division, uh, they would not be in the same division as those two. They would be in the same division with, like, Alabama and Auburn and LSU and Texas State. Yes. And Arkansas. You'd be like, oh, well, they're better than Arkansas. And it's like, well, they're not better than Arkansas. This and that's what I would hope is that what they would do. I would hope they would change uh, the the West and the East up, and I would hope they would even throw Missouri into the West because it just doesn't make sense here at this point to keep them in the East. But if you have to keep them there, so be it. Bottom line, though, is Texas has a lot of issues that they need to work through, and I don't know a move like Texas again is holding on to like, hey, we're Texas, we're tradition, we're the we're the best school in the state. And then it's like, okay, we just get blown out by Arkansas. Well, 
the move to the SEC, how is that really going to help recruiting? It might help North Dakota State recruiting, but, I mean, that's for a, a separate discussion for another day. It's, I mean, for Texas, I don't think the move helps them all that much outside of the money. They're going to get blown out by a lot of SEC teams if it's if it looks the way it did on Saturday. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be good. And it's not going to be good for the rest of their time in the Big 12 either. I mean, I remember when you know, Nebraska and Colorado were in the Big 12. Were, with Nebraska specifically, because Colorado wasn't any good that last year. But things were ugly with Nebraska. And I would imagine it's going to be five to ten times worse for Texas because I think people hate Texas more. And Texas has a much larger superiority aura than everybody else in the Big 12 does. Even Oklahoma, who's probably earned it to a large degree. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if they tore down the goalposts in Arkansas after they beat Texas, like, I wouldn't be stunned if every Big 12 team that wins at home against Texas this year, even if they're as expected, they would be like, well, we're also going to tear down the Texas. Just so we can flip them upside down and make the hook of horns upside down. I love it. So that's the last thing that they remember on the way out the door. I love that. I love that Arkansas did that, and I hope every other team that beats Texas follows suit. Um, yeah, I saw that they were fined a hundred thousand dollars for it. I just, it's just like I don't think they care about that. I no. think that is the happiest hundred thousand dollar check they will ever hand over. Yep, that's money well spent. Money well spent. Um, so Texas loses. We'll get to back to the Big Twelve here in a moment because I do want to talk about their expansion. That uh, I mean, it, it sounds like the Big Twelve is going to survive. Um, okay, let's just start. Let's let's go there before we head further west to USC. But they're getting BYU. The Big Twelve is. They're getting Houston. They're getting Cincinnati. They're getting UCF. I I still wonder about West Virginia. If West Virginia is going to be a part of this, because the Big Twelve then would have thirteen teams. Uh, I don't know where West Virginia would go. Maybe the ACC. Maybe they go somewhere else. Maybe I I, I don't know. Maybe they stay in the. Uh, maybe they stay in the Big 12 because they think it's good, but uh, uh, I can't it's imagine. It's worth noting also for the last 20 years that the, the number in your conference name hasn't been since the Big right. 10 went to 11. Right. And the Big 12's only had 10 for, I think, like nine years. Yep. At least the Pac-12 knows how to count. Um, but for now, at least. Morgantown to Provo does not sound like a very fun plane ride to go on, but that's what you could get if West Virginia stays in the Big 12. But with these additions, again, I, I I think BYU and Houston are great. I'm not quite as sold on Cincinnati or UCF. Cincinnati certainly has a good football uh, team right now, but we'll see if that can continue. Uh, right now, their basketball teams aren't worth a darn, and I'm looking at it kind of as a, an entire collection here because BYU and Houston are upgrades in basketball for sure for the conference versus UCF and Cincinnati. But... How dare you downgrade Taco Fall like that, even though he's not at UCF anymore. Well, I know. I mean, I, I, I hate to – I mean, they were so close to beating Zion Williamson a couple years ago. But, uh, you know, what have you done for me lately? You haven't done squat. And so now, looking at this here, uh, now that it's pretty much official that the, that these schools are going to accept the invites from the Big 12 – what do you make of these additions to the Big 12 and that, in an effect, saving the conference and keeping them a Power 5? I think there's a couple things there. For the big, I think they're interesting moves. That there aren't a lot of good options left. All the good options aren't leaving. I mean, you're not going to get 
Nebraska or Colorado or Missouri or Texas A&M back. I think they're all very happy to stay where they are. So if the options left, I think there are options that are good and make sense, you know, specifically with Cincinnati and Central Florida. It at least opens up new recruiting territory where you can say, like, hey, even though it's a ways away, we're going to play there once every other year so your parents can at least go to one game fairly close by. And obviously it works to keep the conference around, but it's very unlikely that it's going to implode the downside is I don't know if they're going to be able to keep their status as a Power 5 school or not. They might be able to. I'm not saying they won't. But the Big 12, more so than any of the other Power 5 conferences, is now the one that most resembles the old Big East Turkey American Athletic Conference, mm-hmm. where they just keep losing teams and churning out and bringing in new ones. And it gets to a point where it's just like, well, without Oklahoma and Texas, for football, at least, we're to the point where I guess Houston and Oklahoma State are the best programs right now. I mean, at BYU, I guess, won a national title in, I think, 1984 or 85, mm-hmm. but nobody really cares about that. And certainly, while BYU's good, I don't think we would say they're consistently one of the 15 or 20 best programs in college football. And I, I just think it'll be interesting if they keep that, like, oh, hey, we won. Our conference, or our conference champs gets an automatic bullworth in one of these big games. I'm not saying they're going to lose that, but it'll be interesting to see if they keep it and how also just how it's going to work in general. I mean, it's it's certainly the smorgasbord conference the power five where you've mm-hmm. got, you yep. know, mountain range teams and Eastern. BYU and, yeah. you know, <laughs> Central Florida in uh in Orlando and Cincinnati it's just a very and West it's Virginia. a very odd fit but yeah. but also I mean it's what they have to do so yeah. I mean I'm not faulting them for doing that well if numbers don't matter then if you have 13 if West Virginia is going to stay then why not add Memphis and make 14th because then I mean Memphis is close enough within that geographical range where it, it would make sense for Memphis to get at it yeah I mean you might as well I mean just assuming that you. If you, I guess I don't know all the, what, what goes into when you're adding teams. I think we look at it purely from, you know, football or football and men's basketball. There's other stuff, stuff you have to take into account. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what all those things are. That's an interesting point, though. I mean, if you're adding those, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't think that they would be like bad to add Memphis. But I think I would rather add Memphis than. Cincinnati or Central Florida from the standpoint again like the geographically speaking Memphis makes a lot more sense Memphis has a good basketball program men's basketball program women's I'm sure will will get there but if you're going to have an odd number of teams if West Virginia's staying then I would try and add Memphis and make a 14 especially if I think the bigger thing that Central Florida and Cincinnati bring that Memphis don't is that they are much bigger universities so they're going to churn out more graduates and alumni each year who will then continue to be fans of those schools. And, you know, that's why that's why the Big Ten and the SEC have the biggest stadiums and make the most money because they have the most fans because there's the most alumni of those schools. You know, there's like four Big Ten schools with over 50,000. Mm-hmm. So I think it's those two things in addition with that you can get far more fertile recruiting territory you get easy access to by having a team in that state I do by think, adding Florida yeah. or Ohio over Tennessee. 
But I do think Tennessee had like Memphis is either the second largest city or it is the largest city in Tennessee, only behind Nashville. So yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that it would be a bad choice. I mean, I think it's good, but or it would be good, but I think that it's just. I think the biggest thing is that they want access to recruiting because sure. people. I don't follow recruiting enough to know the ins and outs, but a lot of the reason that people say that all these Texas recruit or the reason that the Texas Longhorns aren't recruiting as well is because with Texas A&M and the SEC that now LSU and Alabama and all these SEC West schools that play A&M every year have a much easier shot to go in and be like, Hey, come play in our conference. And, sure. You know, your parents yeah. can go, your parents can go to the game when we play at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just something that the Big 12 would look at favorably, especially when you've got, you know, teams in Iowa and Kansas, which while not, I think they're better recruiting states than people give them credit for, but there's not enough population to be like, well, yeah, I mean, you can get 17 starters from this, just recruiting this state because there's so many people. Right. No, that's a good point. Good point. So we'll see what happens with the Big 12 here going forward. We'll look at it this year, and Iowa State loses a bad game to Iowa. I mean, it's five in a row now for Iowa, and Iowa looks really good. I think, you know, I certainly had Wisconsin in the college football playoff discussion, but right now it is Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes, that look like they could be the team representing the Big Ten, not only in the the Big Ten West, specifically in the Big Ten championship game, but also give the Big Ten its best chance to make it uh to have a team in the college football playoff only because ohio state lost oregon which again we'll get to in a a moment here but iowa state uh just looking at them that is a bad loss to iowa especially at home and a game that they largely looked ineffective offensively yeah and part of that is i think iowa's just really really good on defense i mean i don't know if iowa's that great on offense but their defense is certainly incredibly good Yes. It is probably going to be the best defense that Iowa State sees all year. Yep. Um, I guess the downside for Iowa State is uh, obviously Matt Campbell's very good at coaching there. From what I remember, and I don't follow Iowa State as closely as some other teams, but they frequently start the season kind of slow. Yep. I remember they got upset by, I don't remember if it was Louisiana Lafayette or, or some Sunbelt or Conference yep. AUS. Louisiana yeah, and, last year. And it's not uncommon for them to, you know, you lose a non-conference game, you shouldn't, and then maybe some early Big 12 game. And then they just kind of get things clicking around, you know, early October. And then they're incredibly difficult to beat. I think it's just the unfortunate thing about, you know, playing a playing a rivalry game as a non-conference game in Week 2 is that they're just not a finished product yet. Well, and they, they struggled to beat Northern Iowa in Week 1. They did. I'm not going to hold that too much against them, which maybe sounds crazy to hear somebody say that. But Northern Iowa just always plays both Iowa and Iowa State incredibly competitively. Yes, yes they do. It's just one of those weird things where whether Iowa or Iowa State goes 4-8 and eight or whether they go 11-1, and one, it's always like, oh, you only beat this FCS school by this much? And I think it's that Iowa and Iowa State aren't that excited to play that game, and it's obviously like a Super Bowl for you and I then. Mm-hmm. Nope, definitely. Uh, but Iowa State losing now kind of gives the Big 12 one real shot, and that's Oklahoma. So the Iowa State's chances at the college football playoff are, in effect, done unless they run the table here at this point. 
and let's go then out west, and we'll start with USC and Clay Helton again of a program. USC, a uh, lot of you know their their fan base, their alumni think that oh that that's the given birthright that USC should be competing for national championships year in and year out. David Schottenkirk, I, I'm not going to quite put him in that category, but he expects USC to be good pretty much all the time. And an embarrassing loss to Stanford. They were trailing 42 to 13 at one point at home. Before making it 42-28, they fire Clay Helton. They needing a change in leadership. I don't know why. What you got from uh, like one week to another week outside of this loss to Stanford, which happens on occasion. It's not like this is some unforeseen loss. But where does USC go from here? Because I could think of one name that makes the most sense, and that'd be Urban Meyer pulling a Bobby Petrino and leaving Jacksonville high and dry. Except this time. He's got a franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence where Bobby Petrino was just coming after the Michael Vick uh, went to jail. Yeah. yeah. If I remember right, Petrino took the job because when he thought that Michael Vick would be there and then he ended up going to prison right. shortly after yes. that, right? Yes, yeah. he did. Yep, so and he was left with the right. franchise and quarterback. I'm not stunned that USC fired Clay Helton. It's always kind of been a weird fit. If I remember right, he was the interim coach that got – promoted when I forget what was when Steve Sarkeesian. Yes, yeah, because he got Sarkeesian fired, I got think. drunk or something. And, and, and he was one of those fired. things where it wasn't like Clay Helton was fantastic as the interim, but was like just good enough that they just kind of kept him around. And I know they won the Pac-12 the one year and beat Penn State in a really incredible Rose Bowl game. And other than that, though, other than that year, though, I mean, they're, they're certainly not bad, but you're kind of like, well, it seems like they should be better. And mm-hmm. uh, given where they are, I mean, I think in week, I don't know if it helps a lot to fire them in week two, but, you know, I think if they were going to do it at some point, I guess if you want to get a head start on who you're going to bring in, it well, makes sense. And, and, yeah, like you said, I mean, Urban Meyer, if, you, if you're a USC fan, it'd be the dream guy after that. I don't – I mean, I'm sure that there will be candidates who will reveal themselves by how they do throughout the season, but – well, this is motiv- aside from that. I, I I don't know who else would. I don't know who else. If you're a USC fan, you could hire at least as of right now on Tuesday when we're recording this that they would be like, yes, that's exactly who we want. That's a perfect fit. Well, this is modus operandi for USC because they fired Lane Kiffin in the middle of the season. They fired Steve Sarkeesian middle of the season. There's another head coach that I think they got rid of. Ed, Ed, Eddie O was it Eddie Orgeron. Uh, did he get fired mid season yep. or something? So, oh no, he was he was the interim. I think he took over when Lane Kiffin got oh, fired. Maybe. Okay. okay, he so wasn't ever. He, just, he was the interim head coach, and like a lot of them, he did really well. Yep. And there was that thing where, like, he was giving kids cookies if they won, and people were like, oh, that's fun, and then they didn't give him a serious look at that coach. And I, I think there was another coach in there, too, that they let go. But, I mean, this is standard operation uh, procedure for I mean, hey, it's Hollywood. They want it to be a mystery. It's a mystery. The coaches gets fired, and then it's a mystery who they're going to hire, and it's an out-of-nowhere shock. Sure. I mean, they're just trying – that's their – that's the UFC Hollywood script, I guess. But, so- like, yeah, like you said – it is weird when you're so common. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't even remember. Is Lynn Swan still the athletic director at USC? Uh, he might be, or he is, um, like, an advisor to I feel like it was someone else. No, isn't Lynn Swan? Yeah, I don't know. I can't. At some point he was, but maybe yeah. he was just the interim one. Yeah. But, but anyways, what I was going to say is that USC, for basically ever since Pete Carroll left, 
it just seems like they do not have any like really good top-down leadership. And I'm oh, not yeah. talking from like the coach to the players, although you could maybe say that too. But but they just don't know what they do, and it just seems like they they swerve at whatever you know the very fair weather USC football fan base yes. wants a lot of the time. Yep. They're oh, just absolutely. like, no, we're, we're going to do what we want to do. We're going to do what's best. And they're like, we want you to fire them. They're like, all right, fine. All right, fine. We'll fire them then. And yeah. The, I think that's why they have these weird – I don't know who takes over as the interim head coach, but looking at the rest of the Pac-12 outside of Oregon, who looks really good, and maybe UCLA, like would we, would we be stun stacking if the interim coach – you know, gives them a shot in the arm. They win nine or ten games. Yes. And it's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Maybe we got to hire this interim coach as the head coach well, again now. It's a possibility. I mean, Arizona State would be the other team in the in the South that would give, uh, I guess, that, that shot in the arm if you can beat both Arizona State and uh, UCLA. Apart from Urban Meyer, I mean, that's I, I'm guessing that's on every USC's fan's wish list. And, by the way, the athletic department taking, like – uh, information from the board. It's, it's just the inmates are running the asylum at USC is about as good as I can put it. I think right now here. But if you're USC and Urban Meyer's at the top of the list, I don't know what odds. I mean, uh, Travis said earlier on uh, he gave a bold prediction that that um, that Urban Meyer is going to leave Jacksonville for USC. So that's his bold prediction there and. If you're looking at some other names here, I'm just looking on ESPN's page right now under USC, and there's a picture of James Franklin at Penn State. That would be certainly... If you're USC, that would be a fantastic hire. It would. People love that. You have Luke Fickle at uh, at Cincinnati doing an outstanding job. I don't know how sexy of a name that is for USC Trojan fans. You have uh, potentially Matt Campbell at Iowa State. I don't again. I don't know how sexy of a name that is for USC fans. But is James Franklin the number one guy? I guess I didn't even think about him. But would he leave Penn State for USC? I guess it's a better climate. But I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this. I feel like I remember reading or hearing somewhere that he, if he's not from Pennsylvania, he's from somewhere around there. Which which doesn't mean he wouldn't leave or can't leave. I mean, he certainly still might because USC's a really good job, but. You know, Penn State's also a pretty good job, and it took them a while, you know, after, uh, you know, the Paterno and seeing Dusky stuff and everything fell apart, and then they had Bill O'Brien for mm-hmm. a couple of years trying to hold things together, and then they basically had to rebuild, and it took them a while, and it looks like they're in a pretty good spot now. So all that's to say, like, I'm not saying that Franklin's definitely going to leave or should leave. I think USC's a better job than Penn State is, but I don't think it's that much better. To the point that you would be like, yes, let's 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 definitely leave. But right. but if you're uh, USC, I think it would be a, it would be a fantastic hire for the Trojans. Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy is considered to be a, a candidate for USC. So, I mean, but who's going to be able to get USC back to the Pete Carroll days? I or can they even get back there? I did, again, this is I, just was, seems- I don't think they're ever going to. They're not going to get back to the peak of the Pete Carroll days. They might be able to get back to the general Pete Carroll days, where you're just the best team in the SEC or in the Pac-12, and are legitimately for realsy real competing for national titles each year. I think they could do that. I don't think they're going to, you know, realistically be like, hey, we're, you know, we're driving against Texas to win our third straight national title. I think that's 
that's too high even for anyone to say we have to get to that point. But that's what I mean by like you know the Florida State and Texas fans have this un- unrealistic expectation that they should be competing for national championships year in and year out, and their 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 programs just simply aren't good anymore like they were in the early two thousands or the nineties or even you know going back even further like even like for Nebraska back in the seventies the eighties and stuff when Nebraska was really really good and into the early nineties for USC. I don't know who can lead them back there or if they can even lead them back there. Urban Meyer would be the one guy, but I don't know if there's another head coach out there outside of Nick Saban or Dabo Sweeney, who I can't imagine would go either. But outside of those two guys and Urban Meyer, I don't think there's anyone who can get USC back to that level of expectation that the fans have until the fans lower and they're like, you know what? We're going to compete in the bit in the Pac-12 for Pac-12 championships, Rose Bowl, maybe every once in a while a national uh, title or college football playoff appearance. But it, I, I don't know if USC can get back there or who can bring them back Let's, there. Let, let me, I just want to make sure we're clear here. Are you yeah. saying that you don't think USC can get back to the the peak of Pete Carroll years, or are you just saying you don't think they can be the perennial favorite in the Pac-12? I don't because I think you definitely be the perennial favorite in the Pac-12. I, I think they are the. I think I think it. Let me. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. The, I, I would say the two most important things for a football school mm-hmm. to be able to say, "Hey, we're legitimately set up to be incredible at football," would be to be in a to be the Power Five or be a Power Five school. That's the closest and most popular team to a major population center, to which I think USC is that in the Pac-12. Yes, yeah. And then I think the other one would be that you have the most stable athletic department along with big money dollars coming in Mm -hmm. for whatever you want, in which that I think that would probably right now at least be Oregon in the Pac-12. So it's not a situation where USC has both of them. I think they have the first half of that, though. And if you have the first half, it makes it an incredibly attractive job. And I think they can certainly – I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to be able to do it for 20 consecutive years. But I think it's, it's certainly plausible and reasonable to get a guy to be like, hey, we're the best team in the Pac-12 South each year. Yeah. And it's going to come through us if you want to win the conference. And, we'll, we'll... and I think that's the big thing is that with a lot of these big-name schools like USC – in Florida State, Nebraska, is that people mistakenly think like they're angry that they're not winning national titles. And to a degree, that's true, but I think it's more that they're angry that they're not winning conference titles and competing for the conference because I, th- I could be wrong. I think USC's only won one Pac 12 title in the last decade. And I think that's the real thing is that it's not only is it not national titles, it's that we're not. Go, we're not even playing in the conference championship game often enough. Sure, and I and I totally agree with that point. And certainly USC has the the the, the climate, like the, the temperature, the weather, the 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 athletes and stuff to be able to compete. And what I was saying is that outside of like the only people who could get USC to like peak peak Carroll years would be Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, and perhaps Dabo Sweeney. I don't think there's anyone out there who can get them to that. The at best. You would be able to be, you know, 
the, like the best team in the Pac-12 on a consistent base in the Pac-12 South on a consistent basis, getting to some Pac-12 championship games, maybe making Rose Bowl appearances, and every once in a while a college football playoff appearance. But I don't think anyone can do that with USC right now, at least not of the um, candidates that are being thrown out there. James Franklin may be the best one, but I th- I see Eric Bieniemy. I'm like I what I. I think Eric Bieniemy could be a great head coach in the NFL. I don't know what he can do at the. I know he was mentioned for the Colorado or the Michigan State job at one point. Um, I I don't know what he would be able to do at USC. For me specifically, the tough thing with Bieniemy, and, and he might be a great coach. I honestly don't know. The tough thing is in Kansas City. I guess I don't a hundred percent know this, but I think we all feel confident. It's Andy Reid that really runs the offense. So if you're the offensive coordinator, I'm sure you have an important role, but I don't think you're probably calling the plays. So, But if you hear all the players talk about just how involved Eric Bieniemy is and how how good he is in like terms of getting the, the game plan ready week in and week out, they think he's going to be a great head coach someday. I just he might be, but I would also say that I mean that sounds like a great hire if you're, you know, Missouri or someone who's like a, an okay decent yeah. Power Five school. That's why like I if don't... you're USC, you can't be like, hey, we're hiring a coordinator in the NFL who's never been a head coach. Before. And that's why I don't think it would work at the college level. I think the enemy would it be could far work. better. It's worth noting. I mean, you never know, right? I, but I think it would be a big jump though, going from nothing. Yeah, because. You would at least want to see, like, hey, start somewhere smaller. Whether I mean, if it's not a uh, a group of five school, at least a power five school. That I, I think the enemy will be a great NFL head coach. I don't know, or at, at least an average NFL head coach. I don't know what he could do as a college football head coach, and I don't know what he would be able to do at Southern Cal. I really don't. So that's why I think I think USC is between caught between a rock and a hard place because I think anyone's going to be better than Clay Hilton, but the level of expectation that Trojan fans expect, I don't think is what they're going to get unless they can pry Urban Meyer away from Jacksonville, and that would be the only chance that they have of really rising to to power there in the Pac-12 as a whole. There's talk about maybe Mario Cristobal, the the head coach from Oregon. Maybe he would be a candidate to leave Oregon for, you know, USC since he's, you know, constantly recruiting guys from Southern California. I don't know. It seems like he's got a pretty good thing going on at Oregon right now considering they just beat Ohio State without Kayvon Thibodeau, their best defensive end. They lose uh, Justin Flo, their uh, great linebacker. To an injury, he didn't play against Ohio State, and they went into Columbus and beat the Buckeyes. So Oregon is now giving the Pac-12 their best cha- uh, best shot at a college football playoff team in years. I mean, it's been multiple years since there was a true contender from the Pac-12. What were your yeah, thoughts since, since that Washington team that went? I don't know more. Oh, true. Years, yes. Yep. Years run together for me now. I used to be able to say exact years. Mm-hmm. I know it was like 14, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there. I know Washington made it. Yeah, because they they lost. I'm pretty sure they're the only. They're well, other than Oregon in the first year of the playoff in 2014. Yep. They're. I'm pretty sure they're the only other one that's made. Because they were the they lost to Alabama in the semifinal in a game that was a little yeah. more. Their, their defense played really well in that game, if I recall correctly. They just didn't have enough offense. Yeah, if I remember, like they, like, they scored a touchdown or kicked a field goal on the opening drive and then lost like 24 to three yeah. in a game that wasn't as close as the score indicated. Right. Yep. 
Uh, but still decent showing against a, a, a perennial power like Alabama is. But now that Oregon's not... So first off, let's just go to that game. What did you make of that game and the way that Oregon was able to beat Ohio State? A couple of quick things. The biggest one was that the whole game, I fully expected Ohio State to come back and win. Mm-hmm. And was surprised that they did not. I guess I would say I'm glad that they did not. It was fun seeing Oregon Me too. Win. I absolutely agree. The other thing was that it was not like, you know a mobile quarterback running around and getting 130 yards rushing and 350 yards passing. It was, they basically just beat him up with the line of scrimmage on offense. And, uh, for Dell, their running back had just had a fantastic game along with the offensive line and, uh, former, I think it was the Penn state offensive coordinator. And then the Mississippi state head coach, Joe, Joe Moorhead, Mm -hmm. who is uh, the offensive coordinator at Oregon now. I don't know the ins and outs of what he did play-calling-wise that made it work, but clearly it worked splendidly, beating, I mean, you know, getting, I forget what the final score was. 35-28. You know, yeah, getting, getting waltzing into Columbus and getting 35 points against Ohio State is, uh, is quite the feat. Well, given that they struggled against Fresno State and barely won that game. I mean, they had to come back. They were trailing in that game against Fresno State before rallying to win. And given that they didn't have their best defensive player, best player on the team, Kayvon Thibodeau, they don't have Flo, the, you know, the, the linebacker. That, I, I don't know why anyone would have thought that Oregon would have been able to go into Columbus and beat them. I mean, I know that Reese Davis and I think even Desmond Howard were kind of on the, yeah, Oregon's going to go in and beat Ohio State at the beginning of the season. And then, uh, again, you, you just look at one week and you look at the injuries, it's like, okay, Oregon's not going to be able to to go in there, especially with the way Ohio State looked in the second half against Minnesota. You're like, okay, they seem to have found their stride a little bit here. Or, oh, Ohio State, home opener, it's going to be really difficult for Oregon to win. And now that it's I, – I, I just don't really know if we're, if we're looking at Oregon – they certainly seem like they can go in and proceed with winning the rest of their games. Yeah. If you go to Columbus and win, you can beat anybody in the Pac-12 this year. A few things. I think that probably I would assume that some Oregon players were probably overlooking Fresno State a little bit, which that's sure. easy to do if you're playing Ohio State week two. Yep. I would also assume that Oregon was probably like, hey, let's – let's not show the whole boat here and keep a lot of stuff under wraps sure. that we can use against Ohio State that probably benefited them. The other thing is, I, I mean, I don't remember, you know, everybody who started for Ohio State last year. I know last year, though, they had a lot of returners, and they're much, much, much younger this year. Yeah. And I'm sure Ohio State will look much better. And I mean, I, I wouldn't be stunned if this is their only loss in the regular season, but... I think they'll look a lot better at the end of the year as they get more experience, and some of it is just a young team. Like Oregon's better than that than your uh, Virginia Tech Hokie team that beat Ohio State in 2014 yes. in week two. Yep. But kind of like that year, I think it was just another case of it was like, well, it was a young Ohio State team mm-hmm. with a quarterback who hasn't done a lot yet, and you know. It's just, it's just one of those weird and, – and a lot of stuff went right for Oregon and things like that too. But it's just one of those things we're going to look back at the end of the year and just be like, yeah, that was a 
that was weird. And you know, I I don't know if I don't know if four weeks from now if they played again if Morgan would win. Maybe they will. They looked good enough to. But and Ohio, I think Ohio State's going to look a lot better in five or six weeks. Well, and now that Ohio State, if I recall correctly, Ohio State made it to the college football playoff that year that they lost to Virginia Tech as well. That was the year, the first year of it, and they won the national yes, title that year. Yep, they so, beat Oregon in the national title game. So there's there's maybe a sign of things to come there with Ohio State doing that. But I'm looking at Oregon's schedule right now, and what looked like tough contests now maybe aren't that maybe aren't so much. I mean, at Stanford's going to be difficult. That's October 2nd. At UCLA, October 23rd, that's a big one. Uh, I think that's certainly one that a lot of... It's bigger now than it did three weeks ago. But at Washington, November 6th. Well, Washington, I mean, losing to Montana and then losing to Michigan, Washington looks very, very bad. Uh, Then at Utah uh, on November 20th. Well, I mean, Utah just lost to BYU, and they didn't look all that great in that game. So, really... The table is set up for Oregon, apart from those couple of games that I mentioned at Stanford and at UCLA in the month of October, where they really can be set up to do something. And again, they are the Pac-12's first legit shot or first legit team being a, a college football playoff contender since that Washington squad a few years back. Yeah, if you're an Oregon fan, I think if if, if we're talking about how like good football programs you know, who fire their coach or have to bring in a new coach, how you want it to work. Ideally, you would want it to work how it's worked with Oregon, where you get a new guy to come in, and he does an incredible job recruiting, bringing in and upgrading your talent level, and then, you know, you work through a year or so figuring things out, and then all of a sudden, I think it's, it's, this is third year now, where Crystal Balls, I believe, is that coach in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, my God, you look at him on the field. You know, like we mentioned, I, I don't think anybody on the field looks maybe quite as good as Chris Olave, the Ohio State receiver. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, there were a lot of Oregon dudes who, if you if you put another jersey on them that said you know it was Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson or something, you'd be like, yeah, I buy these guys. Uh, they got plenty of guys who look like real dudes out there. Absolutely. So Oregon, with being that that team that can really give. Uh, now that's in the college football playoff discussion for sure, and I hope that they don't trip up somewhere along the way, but uh, if they do, they still will be in contention, I would think, just because of that win against Ohio State, unless Ohio State really shits the bed here and falls apart losing a few more games. What else from the first couple of weeks of the college football season has caught your attention? I mean, certainly Ole Miss has looked great. LSU looks absolutely terrible. Um, I don't know why I picked them to be 9-3. and three. Uh, to begin with, you yeah. LSU and, and Orgeron appear to be just channeling the Auburn chism. Yeah, where it's just like the the transfer quarterback and the offensive coordinator led you to a national title, yep. and then two years later, it's like nope, don't have those guys anymore. Nope. Uh, and they have academic issues. Like apparently, Crin said that there's 21 guys for LS. Uh, but with all that being said, again. Ole Miss looks incredible right now. AM loses. Or that stuck out at all. Um, you know, we've talked about most of the big things. I'm not looking. I, uh, my guess is that if, if people are going, they bought the tickets in hotel rooms a long, long time ago, well before the season started. Well in advance, yep. 
Yeah, yeah, as opposed to now, where it's like, oh no, we lost Illinois, but I'm sure we'll fix it and be able to beat Oklahoma, who's clearly, clearly not nearly as good as Illinois. Oh wait, that's not the case. It's the opposite of that. Uh, oh, also, yeah. I just yeah. running through things. Forgot about this. Apparently, Notre Dame almost lost to Toledo, but nobody on the planet knows for sure because nobody has Peacock or whatever streaming service yeah, that Peacock. game is on. Yep. Yeah, that's just. Crazy, like I don't know how they struggled that bad with Toledo, and Jake Cohn needed a late touchdown to rally Notre Dame by. That's bad. It apparently like dislocated his finger, yes, and like right yep. before he hit through the game-winning touchdown pass, yep, like went over to the sideline and someone snapped it back into place. Yep, that, I don't like Notre Dame. That's a pretty cool story. That, that's the stuff legends are made out of, Charlie. That's the stuff yeah. legends are made out of. I don't know if it's quite the Joe Montana chicken soup at halftime. Uh, bowl game story or however that story goes Mm -hmm. i don't remember all the details but partially because it's toledo and it's not to win the cotton bowl or whatever it was but still pretty neat story uh uconn's been shut out twice in three games they're terrible uh let's see just oh yeah that's all forgot about uconn and the uh randy edsel being like hey i'm gonna retire at the end of the year great then they lose and they're like never mind you're done right now well, you can't say that. Yeah, can't. I don't know who's going to want it. Like, we talk about, like, oh, no, what can they do? Like, I don't know why anyone wants to take a UConn football job. They got to go I, think that's, we, I don't know what the best job in the, in the FBS is right now. I think UConn's the worst job. I, they got to get demoted to FCS. They're just not worthy of a FBS t- program right now. I don't know if that helps them out at all, though, either. I think you can get annihilated in the FCS also. Sure. I so, bet I mean, they that's would. fine. You can do that. But it's not like... I mean, I, I think even if they were in like the Patriot League, I, I they'd still be like, nope. You guys went, you guys went two and nine this year. They would at least be more competitive at the FCS level than what they're uh, throwing out there now at the FBS level. It's bad. Maybe they're bad enough; it still might not matter. They might, they might have to go down to Division Three. I'm really glad, that, despite the fact that it was a, a rock fight, that Georgia was able to beat Clemson Week One. Uh, Ten to three defensive pick six was the the lone touchdown in that game. And Ole Miss, boy, that, that they look like a fun team. Uh, Corral, the quarterback, and uh, Ole Miss is the team to watch for. I think uh, that uh, they were my team that uh, kind of the sleeper in the SEC to begin with this year. But they are certainly a team I think that a lot of people need to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the regular season. I think Ole Miss is a great pick if you have a favorite college football team and you just want another team to watch in a different conference. But you're like, hey, I'm not going to be a fan of this team forever, but maybe it'll be fun to watch them for the next few years. Like Ole Miss would be my pick for that if you're not a fan of the season. Looking at this week's slate, Virginia Tech at West Virginia. That's a good game. We already talked. To, we mentioned Nebraska at Oklahoma. Cincinnati at Indiana. That's a big game. Uh, Cincinnati, I I thought they would lose that game initially, but with the way that Indiana looked that first week against Iowa, maybe uh, Indiana's a little overrated, and Cincinnati can go into Bloomington and get that win. Of course, the big game of the week is uh, number one Alabama at number 11 Florida, but Florida's looked terrible uh, through two weeks against lesser competition. Then you have the whiteout game in Happy Valley with uh, Auburn visiting Penn State for the first time ever. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Auburn and Penn State. That yeah, was, that's where college... The, the game that, one fan, that both fan bases will overreact to. Uh, yes. Oh, no. 
we're terrible that we can't beat a school from this conference and we're the best conference because well, I, our not best team beat your not best team. I think Penn State wins this game. I think they win it fairly comfortably. Uh, I believe the, the selfishly, team, I hope you're right because I like it whenever the SEC wins. I I believe these teams have met in either like an Outback Bowl or a Tax Slayer Gator Bowl or something, right? It very much feels like that was the Outback Bowl, like two out of five years. Mm-hmm. You know, in like the mid two thousands. I off the top of my head can't name a specific one since I'm not you know a huge Auburn or Penn State fan. Sure. But I agree that it definitely feels like they play, because there's so many Big Ten and SEC but yeah, I'm assuming they have. And then Arizona State at BYU, another game of ranked versus ranked here. That's at 10, 15 p.m. Eastern, 9, 15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Arizona State hopefully can win that game and uh, remain supreme in the Pac-12 South. But any other uh, any other games or anything else that you're looking forward to here in Week Three? Uh, the last or the first I checked, and I probably won't check it again. My uh, Cornhuskers were twenty-three point underdogs to Oklahoma. I'm telling you right now, stacking, I would take a twenty-three point loss at RV. I'd be like, only lose by twenty-three. Yes, mark me down for that. Well, hey, I got good news for you. The line's down to 22. 22? Yeah. I would take that also. <laughs> I would love it if it was like, oh, they lost 45 to 21, which I guess that's a few more. I'd be like, oh, they didn't give up 50 and they scored a few? Great. Sign me up for that. I just do not want the, like, oh, it's 66 to 10, three plays into the third quarter. Are you worried? And at, everything's terrible. Are you worried at all? Or maybe Oklahoma fans should be worried that they put up 76 on Western Carolina last week. Maybe save some of those points for Nebraska this week. I am worried that it's possible they could do that. <laughs> I think Nebraska's defense is definitely better than Western Carolina, although I think Oklahoma will be more amped for this game, even though Nebraska's not that good. Sure. And I, and I just don't think Nebraska's be able to keep this. I mean, they only scored 28 points at home this past week against Buffalo. True, 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 true. Anything else uh, that we need to get to at all this week? I don't think I have anything else. All right. Well, I always appreciate the time, my friend, and I'll be uh, reaching out to you. Uh, I mean, are you okay to come on potentially weekly here, depending on what happens and and whatnot? If you want me to, I can probably come on. I mean, it might, uh, I might have to change a day here. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's fine. Well, we'll either we will either do it weekly or biweekly here, and then starting in uh, probably middle of October, uh, we will start up uh, our games again. So, I mean, that that's still a few weeks away, but uh, looking forward to that, and uh, we'll have you on early and often throughout this college football season. But I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, enjoy the Saturday of college football, and good luck to your Dolphins on Sunday. Thank you, and good luck to your Vikings as well. Oh, they're going to get slaughtered by Kyler Murray. Um, yeah, that that I'm not looking. Well, my Dolphins to have to play an angry uh, Buffalo Bills team, which is lost. No, that's true. Game. And you know what they say, Charlie? No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Like Josh Allen does. Well, he circles something, all right. <laughs> that's right. Very good. Thank you, my friend. Yep. Have a good one. Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review, kind enough to spend a a good hour with us here talking college football. A lot of good stuff to get into from terrible, uh, from fan bases uh, that just think that they're better than what they are. Florida State, Texas, USC, 
not 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 great. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And we'll have Charlie on early and often. It depends on what happens each week, but no worse than every other week. And we'll see uh, if we, we'll get him on weekly. Depends on what happens in a given week here in college football. But that's uh, that's the college football look at this week. Or look back and look ahead. Uh, we're going to continue with a little bit of college football talk. Hopefully get some uh, analysis here from Jeff Lloyd. Second from the Lockdown Browns podcast with some uh, with a look at some of the players through a few weeks that he's uh, excited about that could be drafted next April. And we'll wrap up uh, the this week's edition, as we will every week in the fall and winter uh, during NFL season, with a look back at the previous week in the NFL and make some picks for week two. So look back at week one. Make some picks for week two. That's coming up here in the stack. St- uh, the stack. Oh, that's my blog. The, that's coming up here in the sports block podcast, available on podcast.com. Follow me on Twitter at NDStack and Charlie Hildebrand at CE Hildebrand. Facebook, Nathan Stack, and a link to the podcast post in the middle to later part of each week. Coming up next, more football talk. We'll wrap up this week's edition of the sports block podcast. Available on podcast.com. All right, we are continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast. Jeff Lloyd, uh, unfortunately, won't be able to make it with us this week. We will keep trying. Thank you, Noah. And we have a special guest. My son Noah is here for what we are hoping to do at least uh, every so often. Don't touch that. It's called Preschool Picks. Noah, say hi. Hi. So, I have some game. How old are you? Uh, 60-40. You are not 60-40. You are three and a half. No, I'm 60-40. You're 60-40. Okay. Well, I've never heard of that number before. Actually, that's 6,040. All right. Noah, I have here four games that we're going to pick today, okay? Who would win? uh, So this is for week two in the NFL. Who would win between a tiger and a bear? I think... I think a big dinosaur between them. You think a dinosaur, but but if if a tiger's fighting a bear, who's going to win, the tiger or the bear? I think the tiger is much bigger. Much bigger, so the tiger would win. Yeah, the tiger will really win. Okay, how about a buffalo against a dolphin? I think the dolphin's much stronger. Stronger, so the dolphin's going to win. And Daddy, look, you're holding me. I am. Yep, I, I am holding you in a picture. How about a, a how about a bronco, which is a horse, against a jaguar? Who wins that? I think the jaguar is much bigger. Much bigger and much, probably much faster, right? Yeah, it's much faster. Okay, finally. How about a Viking against a Cardinal, which is a bird? Um, I think a dolphin. Well, that that's not any of the teams. Is a Cardinal, a, is the bird going to win or the Viking? Uh, a, a T-Rex. A T-Rex not going <laughs> to do that. You, I think you, when I talked to you earlier, you said the bird. Do you think the bird would beat the Viking? Uh, T-Rex. Well, in rehearse, well, we didn't really rehearse this, but uh, I believe you did say a bird would win, so, right? Yeah, but I say a T-Rex. Well, yeah, but a T-Rex would beat anyone, but there's no football team named the T-Rexes. 
No. All right. It looks like triceratops are bigger. Yeah. Yeah, they're stronger. And it looks like they're really cool. Yeah. Okay. So to reiterate here, Noah has the Bengals beating the Bears. He has the Dolphins beating the Bills. He has the Jaguars beating the Broncos and the Cardinals beating the Vikings. We'll see if that happens or not. Noah, thank you for coming on the podcast. Will you will you come back on later? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, kiddo. Say bye. Bye.